smooth start. Smooth, super smooth. Excellent. As long as this doesn't pop up on YouTube or something. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, just cut that bit out. That's just me talking gibberish. <laughs> oh boy, my turn. <laughs> Sorry. So now it's time. No, <clears throat> Yeah, I don't know how to respond to that, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Again, yeah. I'm just saying bollocks. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 44 of the Plastic Pussy Podcast. I'm Ivan Taylor from the luscious county of Lancashire in the United Kingdom. And I am joined once again by my amazing co-host, John Bonani from the centennial state of Colorado and Doug Smith from the Beehive state of Utah. Unfortunately, we are two men down tonight. Both TJ and Scott could not be here tonight. But how are you guys doing? I just got to commend you on your research. You know, I didn't... <laughs> the Beehive state, did you say? It's the Beehive state. Oh, wow. You learn something new every day. Uh, it's, it's amazing what Wikipedia can do. <laughs> How's everything on your end, Ivan? Yeah, it, good. Yeah, good. All right. <laughs> I've done no modeling pretty much at all. I've got stuff going on with work, so I'm weird. While my mind's on that, my mind can't be on anything else. But I've done bits and bobs. I feel like you have like 12 Tomcats you're building right now, though. Yeah, and I'm just sick of the sight of them already. <laughs> <laughs> It's one of those things like, yeah, I really want to take the job on. And as soon as I've started, it's like, yeah, no, no, don't, don't want to do this now. It'll be fine. I'll, uh, once the cockpits are out of the way, it's smooth sailing. I've, I've still not done them. Just buy a bunch of, uh, you know, the, the Quinta Studios. You know what? I'll get into that in a minute. When we, when we talk about our builds, I'll get into <laughs> that because that's a whole other story. All right, get into it. Indeed. So um, also last week, JB Scott and TJ sat down with Steve Munsell, Jesse Norton, David Brian Bridges, Jackson Statton, and Stephen Reed and Neil Stokes to talk about the recent Amps show that happened in Virginia. And it sounded like a fantastic show. I know I really want to go to one at some point. It just sounded excellent. But there's a lot to talk about regarding that show, but we'll get to that in our feature segment later. But with all the introductions out of the way, it's time to hear what work we have all been doing. I know we kind of just got onto that with my tomcats but we'll come to mine in a bit but first we'll go to jb what's been on your bench oh man what's on my bench i'm looking at it right now it <laughs> is the giant 116 scale stug from das Werk. it is coming along well i got the mud and kind of wet mud on the chassis i tell you pigments are like the dirtiest thing in the world so i i've just had to sanitize a lot because that stuff goes everywhere. So I fully embraced it, and I hope to get the tracks on tonight, and maybe, maybe it'll be completed within a week. Those little pictures you've been flirting everyone with on, <laughs> on, uh, on Instagram, oh, it's, it's looking gorgeous. And like I said, I don't like being titillated. I want to see it. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it sounds provocative. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like being aroused by models. <laughs> oh, well. No, it's, it's, it's looking seriously nice. 
Uh, I appreciate it. You know, it's been on the workbench long enough. I, I really hit hard in early January and then it went to the back burner and now it's it's time to get it done because the Panzer three is coming out soon and I need to have this off the bench before that shows up. It is. And from what I understand, I think David Parker said it does have a pretty basic turret basket and interior. That'll be interesting. Yeah, that's what I've seen. It looks like the European folks got theirs first, rightfully so. And it should be coming to America soon. I think Andy has a whole boatload probably, just like the Stug. So I've had it pre-ordered for a while. It was a birthday gift to myself. My birthday has come and gone, so I am ready for it. It looks like a super good kit. I already have value gear stowage for 116 scale stuff, so I'll plan to put it together on that. And then also what I think I'm going to do is pick up some Panzer III track uh, the winter ketten off of cults, scale them up to one sixteenth and try to print them out and see how that goes. Nice. Yeah. Those tracks will look seriously nice. I know I got, um, when I, I bought the Ryefield Stug, I had to get those tracks because they just look so cool. Yeah. Enough what about, about me still? though. Yeah. What about you, Doug? Well, um, I'm not sure if I mentioned it or a couple months ago, but I went back to school um, this semester because I work for a university and it's free. And so finals are coming up. Uh, for me, it's just a big essay and it's done so I can get back to modeling, but I've been really distracted by school for the last uh, last uh, couple weeks. So I, I have looked at my, my bench a few times, but as far as that goes, doing that and, and I did get snake eggs. How's that? <laughs> yes. I'd, That's my one-to-one scale baby snakes I'm working on. Uh, Do you have an I'm, incubator? I'm, I'm, Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's a it's a cooler with a thermostat and a, and some heat tape. That's all nice. it is. I was amazed that they came out with faces drawn on them. Well, <laughs> the the traditionally what you do is you mark the top of the egg because the egg needs to stay uh, oriented up. That needs that's the top is up always. If it turns, the snake can actually drown as it in the in the yolk as it develops. So instead of just putting little tick marks or numbering them, I drew faces on them because I'm me. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> And for myself, yeah, modeling at the minute just hasn't hasn't been the focus on my mind, but I have been trying to work on the Tomcats. Like JB mentioned, I have the Quinter Studio stuff for them, but unfortunately, um, the guy who bought all the stuff for, for these builds, they were for the Academy kit. It's not that they don't fit, it's just there is trimming needed, and the MRP interior color I've used is a slightly off match to the light gray blue that the Quinter is printed in. It's, it's not a massive difference. I think I can get away with it with some weathering, some oils or, or whatever. And once the seats are in, it's quite a cramped cockpit anyway. So I, I don't think it's going to be that noticeable. The Quinter stuff is really nice. Like the detail in it is magnificent, actually. So if if I can get those sets for all my aircraft builds, I'll happily build aircraft again. Because cockpits are the least enjoyable thing for me. They're not the cheapest thing in the world. But for me, it's, it's the grief and aggravation it serves. I'll happily spend the money. 100%. All right, now it's time to take a moment and talk about our partners. We are so proud to partner with TankCraft. They are a fabulous company that makes the highest quality products. They have some cr- incredible new products coming in 2022, new mats, new tracks, ancillary products, some really incredibly cool stuff that they will be announcing very soon. In the meantime, check out tankcraft.com and see how one of their pro modeler mats one of their awesome aluminum glue bases can really improve your workbench. You know, I certainly have both on mine and I love it. Before we move on, I'd like to mention Nats. We're within 90 days. Very exciting. The vendor room's almost full up. They have a full list of seminars, most of which are on the website. TJ, Ivan, and I will be doing two on armor modeling, so that'll be fun. 
We have a couple also around other subjects. So I know the geeks are going to do one on the Navy jets, which is going to be great. I can't wait to sit in on that. Scott Samo is an expert. And, you know, Darren, Andrew Frill and Andrew White. So Whitey and Frodo will be there as well. And then we also have a podcast mixer in the works. So we hope to have an informal gathering of all the podcasts that'll be in attendance. So everybody from Small Subjects, Miscreants, SCU, On the Bench, potentially Scale Model Podcast, The Moj. We'll even have Jim Bates there and the geeks. I think I got everyone. The list keeps getting longer and longer. So super excited to have everybody on board for that. At least one member from each podcast will be in attendance. So that'll be fun. We'll have everybody in the same room. We'll have all of our you know listeners there from the different podcasts. So I'm certainly looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great time. And then the show itself is going to be on. The SAC Museum Tour is sold out. I will say if you're interested in that, you can still, I, I would recommend, you know, holding out hope. There's always one or two tickets for up for sale, uh, you know, the day of the show, because the, the, they'll likely have a board there where someone will post like, hey, I got a ticket available. So if you missed out, don't worry. There probably is an opportunity to go to that still. And I just can't wait. It's going to be a blast. I know Ivan's got his ticker. I feel like I get an update every six hours from it. So it is going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Uh, of course, I have to remind everyone how, how soon it's arriving. It's time to shout out the Posse Outriders. These are listeners who support the Posse by becoming Patreon contributors. If you would like to support the Triple P and become a Plastic Posse Outrider, it's easy. Just head on over to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash Plastic Posse Podcast and set up a recurring donation there. You can donate any amount you'd like, and this support helps us to offset the costs of bringing you the Triple P. The Posse Outriders for episode 44 are Eric Brubaker, Martin Drayton, a.k.a. MD Models, Chris McLean, Jeremy Moore, The Voice of Bob, Steve Munsell, Lee Fogel, David Brian Bridges, a.k.a. DB Scale Model Studio, Matthew Johnston, John Vitkus, Robert Morales, Jamie Stokes, Craig Jarbo, Jared Cowell, J.C. Osborne, Mike Bird, Jeremy Elliott, Mike Talley, Steve Baker, Mediocre Middle-Aged Modeler, Dan Nofel, Rick Lewis, Eric Daglish, Brian McFeeders, Bruce the Model Noob, Eric Semmelmeyer, Matt O'Meara, Panzerman 2010, Grant Mayberry, Paul Alexander Crystal, David Waples, Ethan Idenmill, Jamie Anderson, Steve Schaefer, and Rick Cooper. Well done, deputies. We really appreciate your support. That was so well done. Thank you. I was done in one breath. (laughs) Usually Scott gets me to do it because of my voice, but I have a minor panic attack every time I see that list of names. (laughs) (laughs) Very well done. You can also make a one-time donation to the Posse via PayPal. To do this, just go to our website, plasticpossypodcast.buzzsprout.com. In the upper right-hand corner, just click the little heart icon, and there you can donate any amount you would like. You certainly don't have to donate, but we truly do appreciate all of your support. We would also appreciate it if you would support us by leaving a review wherever you listen to the podcast. A five-star review helps the posse be more visible to people searching for modeling podcasts. And if you're on YouTube, please stop by the Plastic Posse Podcast YouTube channel and subscribe. That is where you will find a lot of our live streams that we do, as well as on the Facebook page. Just a reminder, the posse is just one of several modeling scale podcasts out there. We are a member of a group of great podcasts, and if you'd like to see a complete list, head on over to modelpodcast.com. You'll find the links to many of them, including other social media creators. So 
definitely check that out. We also want to remind you all, there are lots of ways to interact with the Plastic Posse. You can email us at plasticpossepodcast at gmail.com. We are also on Facebook at facebook.com slash plastic posse. And then Instagram as well, Plastic Posse Podcast. But wait, there's more. We have at Posse Podcast on Twitter. And let's not forget YouTube Plastic Posse Podcast, where the live session we did with the AMPS folks is posted right now. So head on over there and check it out. So now it's time for an update on the group build. So we're going to talk about the uh, Triple P's Value Gear sponsored M3, M4 Sherman Lee group build. There's not much to say. Everyone is just doing really, really fine work. Like JB is building like six Shermans at once. He just finished two the other day, which is super sexy. Like it's 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 impressive the quality of work that's being produced. I think uh, hats off goes to Daniel Brooker's mm. experimental one. I think that I think that takes the cake for for this episode. It is absolutely stunning, and to think that was scratch build. Woo, man, gorgeous piece. I can't wait to show it off at Nats. It's going to be great, and I might even hand deliver it back to to him at Telford. So I'm excited yes. about that. Yes, some of, some of the builds going on. Every, like every time I see Matt McDougall's uh, mind clear, I just think that's the most ridiculous thing. <laughs> <laughs> but he's plowing on with it. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's it's insane, and it's looking really cool. And if that gets to the table, that's going to be seriously impressive and make everything else look really small. I know. I feel mine are too too bland. Mine are like just you know <laughs> Chevys. When I want, we need something exotic. And fortunately, you know with. With his mind clear, Stephen Reed's like weird looking target. There's a couple of vignettes that are built as well. Mine, mine are just bland. Mine are like like flat pop or flat Coke or soda, as some may say. <laughs> your, your work could never be described as bland. Uh, compared to what's in that group, I am very impressed, and I'm I'm happy that we got such a dedicated crew. You know, people that also don't build armor regularly are participating. So. Yep. Super fun. And again, we cannot wait to get together for Nats. And it's going to be great if we can get Patrick's M3 or M4A3 E8 on the table as well. That'll be a nice tribute to him. So, man, I'll shut up because I can go all day because that group build is going sweet. It really is. Uh, also, want to mention the Model Geeks A4 build is still plowing along. I've still yet to start mine. I'm, I might be able to fit it in. I don't know about you guys. I know I don't know if you guys were <laughs> intent on entering. Mine is in process right now. I've actually about ready to put the wings on the fuselage and be ready to paint pretty quick. Oh, gorgeous. You're way ahead of me. I have cleaned up a few pieces and got the wings clamped together. I hope to work on the cockpit at some point. Some other projects popped up that I need to crank out real quick. But my intention is to be a good steward of the podcast sphere, I guess you could say, and support their group build. So I, I know that Darren and Whitey are supporting ours, and I think Frill is as well. So I definitely got to give, uh, I definitely got to give support to them. And it's a cool airplane, so super exciting. Gotta support, gotta support them since I'm not doing a great job supporting us and our group <laughs> at that point. So <laughs> now it's time for our amps roundtable. This was a real blast to record. It was great to sit down with some of the guys who attended the show. Some of them who we've had on previously, and then some of them we've never met before in you know the virtual sphere. So it was great to see them all. Really great to get their take on it. We talked a lot of interesting topics around the judging, the atmosphere at Amps, and how it differs from other you know forms of competition. They talk about what they love, what they saw on the table, 
and what really stood out to them and, and what matters most, which is that social aspect. So I think you really get a good flavor of what the Armor Modeling Preservation Society is, their national show that's typically held on the West Coast, or sorry, East Coast. It's, it's certainly a blast. We certainly had fun talking to them and sit back and enjoy. All right, we are live. So thank you everyone for joining us tonight. We are gathered here to talk about the AMPS International Show and we're lucky to have a lot of great individuals on the line with us. And I'm just going to go around the room for a brief introduction, uh, but we'll start off in Arizona with Steve Munsell in his boss man, Gray. How's it going, Steve? Hey, how's it going, John? Good, good to have you. How was uh, how was the trip back from Amps? Uh, it was kind of hellish because I'm a cheapskate and I bought the <laughs> cheapest ticket I could get. So it took about 17 hours of airports and airplanes to get home, and then I still had to drive two and a half hours from Phoenix to where I live. So. Oh man! Well, I mean, you you do own a startup, so I feel like you got to be scrappy. So you got to yeah. save it where you can. That was more nah, money for the bar. It's the anarchist punk rocker in me. I just refuse to pay for privilege. Uh, you know, every time you, you have to check into the flight, they're trying to boost you like a $29 seat and charge you a little extra for this, give you a credit card, and it's like, stop, stop. It's gross. So, it. so you're, you're the only guy who, who flew from Virginia to Arizona via Greenland, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Pretty much. But uh, no, that was awesome. It was an awesome trip, man. That was it was really great to get out of my my little nest for a week and and meet a lot of the East Coast guys. And you know, I got to spend a lot of time with Angel from uh, Micro World Games. Yeah, he's a good guy. You know, anybody that doesn't know him, I mean, he he's got an online store, and when he goes to shows, he tries to bring the hobby shop experience to, um, you know, to the show. So I mean, he's got all the paints, the tools. He's got everything. Yeah, and it's, it's fantastic. So. Yeah. He's always got it well stocked. It, it is literally a hobby shop on wheels. Yeah. Sweet. Well, I'm going to go over to Jackson, our uh, youngest member tonight. Yep. And uh, how's it going? It's going all right. How are you? Good, good. So was this your first AMP show, Jackson? It was my first. I've been to plenty of IPMS shows, but this is my first AMP show. So Nice. You going yeah. back? Absolutely. Uh, I've definitely told everyone that's asked me about it. I think AMPS has an amazing sense of community that I hadn't really gotten with IPMS before. So, yeah, I'll definitely be going back for that alone. Nice. Tell us about that groupie shirt you got on. Uh, well, some some hobo outside the convention gave me this and told me to wear it. Nah, so um, the second day I was there, uh, I actually hung out with Steve Munsell. Uh, he taught me how to do sandbags and stuff and then gave me a bunch of swag as always. So I figured I'd represent him a little bit on the stream tonight. <laughs> nice, nice. You know, you know, Steve, you have a you have a way about you giving everyone gifts. Um, it's probably a good thing that they drove or they would have to upgrade their luggage fee based right. on the <laughs> pounds of resin you handed over. So we're going to go to the center of the screen to David Brian Bridges. How's it going? Hey, man. Doing great. Doing awesome. So what number amp show is this for you? Uh, I think five uh, international shows now, plus a bunch of uh, smaller local and regional shows also. But yeah, I've nice. been to quite a few. Yeah. Did you drive up or fly? Yeah, a 10 and a half hour one-way drive Ooh. and ended up being 12 because uh, I-95 decided to 
suck at numerous points, but uh, yeah. it, it was worth it. It was a great show. Uh, I think Dayton was still my favorite, but uh, definitely hats off to all the Hampton Roads guys. They did a fantastic job up there. A really great venue. Uh, the quality of models was uh, just outstanding. Uh, it was really good. Some of the best quality on the tables that I've seen in a while. Uh, just well-run show, uh, except for the fact I showed up. I got there at 11 a.m. on Friday, and they had so many people coming in. They had to kind of shut down the Ramrod station to take entries because they were just getting overwhelmed. And then I went and judged and came back, and they had just shut the Ramrod again. So I oh. kind of struggled to get my stuff entered, even though I pre-registered. But that was just a sign of, I think, how many people have been waiting for this show for you know, two years now. It's twice it's been canceled, and this is such a definitely a excitement and vibe going on that people really wanted to be there. So that was really cool to see so many people just excited to get out and socialize and uh, just meet each other and talk about models. It was a, it was a great time. Excellent. Awesome. So we'll come back to the Ramrod comment because I think some of our listeners probably don't have any idea what that is yeah. outside of Super Troopers. So we will come back to that. <laughs> right. uh, so we'll come back to Car Ramrod. We'll go over to TJ. Just a quick hello. Unfortunately, you didn't get a chance to attend, right? I did not. I really wanted to, but um, I had to prep my everything you see behind me, which used to be over there, is now here because I'm getting the half my basement done. So I spent my whole weekend moving this and everything you can't see over there. So I was pretty busy. Priorities. <laughs> uh, I think Ants probably would have been a little more fun than moving a bunch of stuff that I didn't want to move. For sure, for sure. But I feel like the East Coast is loaded with shows. So you got another one coming up this weekend, right? Or is it next weekend? No, it's it's tomorrow. Um, it's a, yeah. a model classic. It's our local show. It's in Fairfax. It's like forty five minutes from my house. Jackson will be there. Um, I'll I'll be there, and I think all of the model geeks are going to be there too. So it should oh, be really nice. fun. I've scenes out of Anchorman where you guys all come into the alley and throw grenades <laughs> and pitchforks at each other. <laughs> Where where Darren get a grenade? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say Darren's like like Brick Tamlin. That's, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> All right, we're gonna go to the bottom left. I'm gonna hide the comments for a few minutes. Neil, how's it going? It's going great. My feet have recovered, and uh, I am back at the bench. But yeah, I mean, just echoing the other comments, it was just hell of a good to get back with the crowd again. You know, Jackson, you, you hit it right on the head. You know, it's the community that really makes it for me. And it was just great to get back together with everybody. We've been planning this show for three years. And, uh, you know, we finally pulled it off and um, had a ball. Yeah, the venue looked awesome. So give our listeners a flavor. How many amp shows do you think you've been to? My first uh, Amps Nationals, you now just for the you know a, a bit of gratuitous background, I grew up in Australia. I you know, lived all over the place, but was basically uh, based in Australia until 2004. Um, I got here uh, just too late for the uh, for the 2004 Nationals, but my first one was uh, was 2005, and I've been to every one since, along with pretty much every regional show I can get to. You know, plus a bunch of IPMS shows and stuff as well. So, yeah, I'm, I will, uh, you know, I, I will go, you know, have models, will travel, kind of is, is my, my mantra. Nice. So you were there in the classic days of Harv de Grasse. 
Yes, Grace. sir. Um, you know, that was, I mean, it was a great venue, but we just outgrew it. And, yep. you know, certainly by Friday afternoon, you did not want to go anywhere near those bathrooms. <laughs> That's right. Man, that place was, uh, it was, it was tight to say the least. And I don't think it had air conditioning either, but that had uh, no. all the ambiance. So yeah, next ambiance is one way to put it. I mean, look, it, it was it was a great venue. It served us well, but it was funny. You know, we when we moved out of there, I think 2006 was the uh, the Hubbard Ohio show, yep. and then we went back, and everybody was like, "No, we can't do this anymore." You know? <laughs> we were literally bursting at the seams. And uh, you know, then the following year, of course, we went to Auburn, Indiana, to that you know massive space yep. there that they had at the uh, the museum. Cruise museum, yep. Which was just great. I mean, um, you know that that I think you know really set us on a on a whole new trajectory. So, uh, and you know, since then it's been over. I mean, Dayton was mentioned. That was a great venue. Uh, just don't try to get service at the restaurant at the hotel. But um, but Newport News was 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 excellent. You know when. Uh, we, when we looked at that that room uh, first up, and at that point they had just redone the lighting, and I was like, "Oh my God, it's like the surface of the sun in there. It's you know, it's, it's wonderful." And you know, as as you saw, it was uh, you know a tremendous uh, venue to uh, to have. Yeah, it was a beautiful venue. I mean, it had a rotunda, which I'm surprised amps can rate that because that's too classy for an yeah. organization well, like we, amps. We, we, we did actually want to, you know, for, for the, the there was a plan to have the uh, the amps executive board at the start of the uh, the award ceremony come down those stairs all dressed in punk's robes, you know, kind of like the Monty Python thing. But um, the uh, I don't know, they put the nicks on that. I did. missed opportunity. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> sure. Well, thanks for that perspective. We'll get back to the venue. Jesse, I've never had the pleasure of meeting you kind of virtually or in person, so happy to have you on the line. I'm super stoked to talk to you. I've been a long admirer of your work and, and happy to see that you went to AMPS and not only that, but you kicked ass there. So, you know, tell us a little bit about your experience and maybe is this your first AMP show? No, actually, I started going to AMPS in 2010. 2010 okay. or 2011, and I did about four or five in a row, and then I ended up uh, kind of life got in the way for a little while, um, and so this is the first big show I've been back since like 2016, I think, um, and so uh, yeah, just kind of fell out of modeling for a couple of years, uh, but no, it was good to be back, uh, kind of uh, rode up with some other uh, Amps Atlanta guys, uh, they let me sleep on the way up, which was very nice, because I only got about two hours of sleep the night before trying to pack everything up, but uh yeah, yeah, no, no, it was an excellent time. Good to see a lot of old faces. You know, walked in and and just you know immediately started seeing some people I knew, and that that was cool to reconnect with everyone. That's awesome. So, what what time did you uh, end up getting into the show on the weekend? Uh, we actually got in pretty early. Uh, we we basically started uh, from Atlanta uh, at six thirty in the morning um, on Thursday, and so we were basically in right as they were opening. Oh, um, nice. Yep. So, uh, so yeah, we got to spend the whole time there. And then uh, even on Sunday after the uh, event ceremonies and whatnot, uh, ended up staying that night before and just get on the road early on Sunday. Sweet. So we will definitely come back and, and talk about your experience at the show and specifically how well you did. I love that Centurion. So we'll get back to it. Uh, <laughs> and then certainly last but not least, another gentleman that I haven't had the pleasure of meeting before in person, virtually Steve, how's it going? Good, John. How are you doing? Good, good. Stephen Reed, we are so happy to have you. One of the Soviet armor experts that we always talk about, and we finally put a face to a name and certainly let our listeners see who you are. 
you know, I'm I'm assuming you're probably in the same boat with Neil. How many how many shows do you got under your well, belt? Not France? as many as Neil, not even close. But I the first one I went to was 1995 in Harvard de Grasse, and I okay. went to two or three there. And uh, I although I've never stopped building armor, I just haven't been able to go to as many as I wanted to. Yeah. So now that my kids are off on their own, I hope to change that. So it was, <laughs> nice. it was a great show, though. And you know what? The other thing is a lot of the core members of uh, AMPS always attended ArmorCon in Connecticut. Yep. And I happen to be living in New England, so I used to hit that. You know you know ArmorCon. For sure. Held every fall. So it, it, when I when I go to an AMP show, instantly run into people that I've known for a very long time. One of the guys there I've known for 30 years. So nice. that, that's kind of the thing that we always talk about. It's like when you when you walk into a Nats or into ArmorCon, you pick up the conversation that you left off in the bar on exactly. the Saturday night the year before. You know, exactly. it's, it's it's that kind of feeling. <laughs> For sure. My, sure. My favorite memory from this one will be when I ran into Cookie Sewell with uh Jackson and uh I told Cookie I'd built an IDF M four. And he told me that the last guy he knew that built one of those died suddenly, which is sad. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks a lot, Cookie. (laughs) I should have checked with you before I started on it. That's hilarious. It's good to see Cookie there. You know, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting Cookie that much. And, you know, when it comes to amps for our listeners and, you know, please, Neil or Steve, you can you can chime in. You know, Cookie is the grandfather of amps. It really all emanated from his idea back in Maryland. Yeah, and, absolutely. And I, you know his um, his email ID amps one. That's um, you know that that's not a lie. He was the first. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's 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 just talk about the show. You know, amps is such an interesting concept, especially for people that are used to traditional shows such as IPMS. You know, they're used to one, two, three, and kind of the 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 opaque nature of judging and not being able to see what's going on. That's, that's the standard for IPMS. But I think what amps does completely differently. And what I love is bring that transparency to judging. And maybe before we jump into judging, you know, I'm going to kick it back to David Brian Bridges to talk about, you know, when you mentioned the word ramrod, can you explain to our listeners what that station means at the show? Well, kind of give you a breakdown of how the whole system works. You know, you go Perfect. to a typical IPMS show and you go to registration, you pay your money, you get your forms if you haven't filled them out already, and you go put your stuff on the table. And then once the show's over, you go pick it up and you're done. And it's, it's pretty straightforward. There's a little bit more of a process with AMPS. Uh, registration at AMPS, same kind of thing. You pay money, you fill out your forms, but then from there you go to a, the Ramrod station. And those guys can help you just in case there's any last minute stuff. You know, do we need to change your skill level? Because there's different skill levels. You can either choose or be promoted into an AMPS. And they also, instead of you just taking your model to straight to the display room, every model gets put on a tray. And that tray gets spirited off to the judge's room. And so they're kind of the guys who do that. They're kind of the middleman between the registration people and the actual judges to make sure everything's squared away. They get take your models from you, and then they take them and put them in the judge's room. And then from there, <laughs> the judging process happens, and it's more or less as they come in, they get uh, put through the judging process. There's teams of four judges, uh, and there's an actual a point system that's laid out in the AMPS rules, and they take 
out of the four judges that score it, they drop the lowest score, add up the three, and that's your score. And based on your skill level, uh, there you go. It's what your uh, metal color is going to be. And it's not a competition so much as maybe it's more of a juried exhibition, whereas you're not getting judged against everybody else that's competing in this uh, convention, but you're getting scored against the standard on your own merit. Uh, and a big part of that is explaining to you in the comments on the bottom uh, things you can improve upon, things you did really well. And just the whole process of that judging is actually, to me, one of the most fun parts of the whole uh, uh, event because you get to sit down with these other modelers and just look at models one after another and spend time really just going over and seeing all this great work. And especially for the newer people who are maybe in basic or intermediate you get to kind of help them along. Uh, it's really driven by community because none of this happens without a lot of involvement. Mm -hmm. And I think probably if you looked at the percentage of people that get involved with judging in an AMP show, it's just by necessity far greater than it is at an IPMS show. And not to say that IPMS shows, especially nationals, don't require a lot of judges, but it's at an AMPs, it's especially crucial. But I think the reason they're able to get so many people to do it is because it's genuinely an enjoyable process and it's very positive. You're always trying to help people out, help them grow. That's the whole point of an AMPS competition and convention is to help people move beyond where they're at and find ways to take their hobby to the next level. And it's just really enjoyable to me anyway. And I think for most people, to be able to do that for another modeler. And, and you have, of course, no clue whose model it is that you're looking at. But to sit down with three other people at your table and do that is just a really, it's a great experience. It's a wonderful team environment. And uh, to me, it's it's not been matched uh, in any other modeling environment that I've ever been in. And, yeah. and it's funny how many friends you make at those judging tables. Absolutely. That's a hundred around for a couple hours and, and judging models and yeah. Yep. And and I will say I will say this for anybody who's never judged under the amp system. I just held up the card, but like David said, there are four judges scoring it using a a system, and the lowest score is thrown out. So let's say there's four of us here, and I've never done this before, and I hammer the person because I don't know what I'm doing. My score is tossed. Now on the other hand. If I'm too light on the person and I give them a 10, that that score is going to survive through. So it's biased toward benefiting the modeler ultimately. Yeah. But um, I'm able to listen to the comments of all the other judges. And the judges are literally rotating the model on a, on a rotisserie and saying, um, do you guys see this road wheel out of alignment? Do you see this mold seam? It is a self. It's an apprenticeship. It's a self-coaching system. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, to, with that, Steve, the, the there is a, a second check after the uh, the, yeah. the scores are tabulated. There, you, each judging shift, um, the, the the cards are passed over to somebody who then checks the math to make sure that we all got it right. Because you know, after a while, your brain gets fuzzy. But also to check that the scores are not wildly out of alignment. Right. So that yeah, you know, you might give a ten, but if everybody else is giving a seven, oh yeah, that won't survive. The table. Those cars are going to come back to the table and go, guys, come on, what's going on? I here? Think Why are you so wildly apart? And mm -hmm. you have a chat about that, and you know, you try to get to uh, to, to alignment. I think 
both of what Steve and Neil touched on there is really kind of a hallmark of the AMP system is that it's so thorough and well thought out. And it starts from the very beginning uh, to be a judge at AMPS. There's actually a, a training program and now they have an online version, but traditionally it's been face to face, which you can do that as well. And they go over all the AMPS rules and this is what you're expected to do as a judge. And these are the standards and the different mm-hmm. experience levels. And there's different ways you can get involved. It's not just judging. You could be a runner. Uh, you could be an assistant chief judge. You could be a ramrod registration. There's a lot of different levels that you can get involved in. And each one of those really is critical and they're all fun to do, uh, the, especially the, the stuff in the judging room. The ramrods are a big help too, because they, they kind of can, can help guide the modeler. You know I mean? You, you, you'll get guys who you will come in and go, yeah, you know, I've I, this, I, I've been modeling for 20 years, but I've never entered a competition anymore. But I've been modeling for 20 years, so of course I'm an advanced modeler. And the and, and, you know the ramrod will look at it, you know. And I've often said to people, listen, I was given really good advice in my first show. Enter in the intermediate level at your first show, and then you know if you if you get a gold, then the way it the, the judging system works is you automatically have to go to advanced. If you don't meddle at all, then maybe intermediate isn't your thing and you need to go back to basic, you know, et cetera. But let the scores kind of settle you out. And the, you know, the other thing we get is, you know, so w- w- one guy turned up one year with a, uh, a, a, a model of two cranes holding up a CH-46 helicopter. What the hell do we put that in terms of categories? You know, so we ended up eventually uh, putting it in under, uh, under vignettes so we could uh, judge everything rather than just one out of uh, the, that, that whole group of models. So the, you know, the ramrods help guide the modeler in, uh, in, in, in doing, you know, getting in the right place so that they are best positioned to succeed. Yeah, and I think that's important, Neil. I do want to chime in. You mentioned, I remember the CH-47. I think that was AMPS Atlanta, by it the was. way. It yes, was. I know, because yeah, I was there. Ramrod. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you bring up a good point, and I think also that's the importance of open judging as well, where it has the flexibility where you can put the model in any category, to be honest, mm-hmm. but it allows you to ensure that the model is judged in its entirety, where at an IPMS show, it's not even yet because it doesn't have a base and it doesn't tell a story, but you need to judge more than just the helicopter or the truck. So I think it really, like you said, it the AMP system lends benefit to the modeler and allows them to succeed in a very flexible manner. And, you know, I want to take this direction over to Jackson. You know, this being your first AMP show, you know, coming in, looking at the different levels, basic, intermediate, advanced, where did you find yourself? And then also tell us how, tell us how you did. So uh, I entered into intermediate. Um, Amps has some amazing descriptions on their website that really help you figuring out where you should enter. Uh, and I think I probably could have entered into advanced, but I was pretty comfortable in intermediate. Um, and then uh, I got gold uh, for one of the models I'd entered. So like Neil had said, that bumps me up to advance for the next show I go to. So I completely agree with him in saying that you should definitely enter an intermediate and then go from there. Uh, if you get gold, then you get bumped up to the next one. Um, and I just also wanted to add something uh, to what, what's been said so far. Um, I think it was David that said it's it's not really a contest. And I kind of wanted to emphasize that because in that IPMS context, you you're not just being judged on your model you're being judged on your model and how it compares to the other models 
which you know might lend to a situation where you have okay this model is really good but it's not as good as these three and so even though you did an amazing model there might be you know one minor thing that put the other ones over the edge uh and knocked you down to fourth and so having that kind of rubric where you just get points and you know feedback on why you got the points you got i think is just like the perfect uh system and i love it <laughs> for sure we'll go up to steve you raise your hand yeah yeah um my friend dave from new jersey he he came and uh you know he's one of those guys that spends all his days being a chef working long hours and he spends new all his jersey, off time building and painting and uh and you know he uh he you know he loved model building but i told him to come down to the show hang out with me and and he did and he entered that was his first show ever is his first contest ever and you know he he got what did he he got silver medal jackson yeah yeah he got silver i think for both of them and you know I, you know i've never participated in contests I, it's not my thing i don't i don't enjoy the competing part but this this was really different i i i thought it was fantastic and i love the comments that that everybody made on all the uh the judging sheets that i looked over from from some of these guys that won and i think it was a fantastic mm -hmm. system i loved it and it encouraged all the modelers all the comments like were practical they made sense you know it's like yeah okay i can see that i should have done that you know and I, it's a good I, learning experience i've even been to uh, some some ipms local shows in the, the last couple of years where uh, you know once we kind of got back to shows um where they, they have you know they still use the ipms system but they include comment cards so when the so the judges judge every model you know and they might only pick first second and third as is the ipms play but yeah. the uh, you know they also give feedback on the on, on the model to me you know, like several people have said that's the most important thing is providing constructive criticism back yeah. to the model you know let's let's all try to make each other better here yeah? right right improve improve the skills improve the community and that's that's what it's all about and and it, it was fantastic to be there and meet all the east coast guys that i only knew you know, from a mailing label or, you know, a name on, on a Facebook group and, uh, you know, meeting all these people in person. It was just absolutely fantastic. It was a great community. Yeah. And, and you know, one of the things I think we should hit on too, and, and I'll, I'll kick it over to Jesse to talk about this because I believe he, he achieved it. Can you talk about, you know, the half point for bonus uh, within, within the judging system and, and tell our listeners, you know, we kind of went over the general thing of judging, but yeah, judging, you know, jump into the sheet, maybe talk about the major categories and then that half point bonus at the end that I find is really unique. Yeah, sure. Um, yes. Yeah, so uh, like, like many in IPMS do, you know, it, you know, people put together kind of brag books and kind of build photos and that sort of thing, kind of show, you know, what they've done, kind of emphasize, you know, where they've, uh, they've kind of taken the extra step. Um, so here, let me grab one of my, uh, my judging sheets from a, from a past show just to go over it. So, you know, the, the judging sheets a little bit different based on if you have just a straight model or if you have a vignette or diorama, because they are those additional pieces of, of kind of, you know, groundwork figures, kind of overall display story in the, in the case of diorama or whatnot. Um, and then at the end, uh, because, you know, AMPS uh, theoretically is, is the uh, Armor uh, Modeling Preservation Society, you know, there is a bonus for research. So, so what that does is what you have to do is kind of, uh, kind of describe, a, you know, some sort of reference that you've used, whether a, a book, a website, whatever, photo, um, and basically show, hey, I, I built the model, you know, using this as kind of a, 
if not necessarily the exact same, uh, you know, photo, using it as inspiration. So, you know, there's some examples on the website, but, you know, if you've got, uh, you know, the there's some famous Shermans in Europe, I forget which uh, which unit they were with, but they've got the very large numbers on the side. So if you do, you know, if you see have a photo of 12 and you do one of, you know, 11, you know, so that way you can take some liberty with it, with camo or stowage or whatever, you know, but you've kind of identified, here's the reference, here's what I've done on the model. It matches, you know, based on this, whether, it, and it could be markings, it could be, um, uh, you know, groundwork, if you've got a vignette or a diorama of, you know, where, where that unit was, it was winter, what have you. Um, you know, that's generally kind of that, but it, anyway, um, you know, like Steve was saying, you know, right now it's out of, uh, 10 points per, per judge. So he max scores 30 and there's that extra research is worth a half point. Uh, so on uh, the Sherman build, um, that I did, that was part of our group build, um, that one did get, uh, the extra half point, um, uh, as well as the, the, the IDF Centurion that I had built as well. Yeah, and for our listeners, a perfect score is amp is at amps is no easy feat. So you know, kudos to you, Jesse, not once but twice because I've never achieved it, and it's it's really tough. And you're you're a kick ass. Only the Sherman got to thirty. The other ones, the, the other ones are both golds, but they weren't thirties. Okay, okay. But, uh, so yeah, actually, one one thing I think one thing I'll mention is you know. Um, you know, Jackson kind of alluded to it. Is you know, this is the different skill sets. The mm-hmm. point criteria to get the different, uh, you know, bronze, silver, gold is is different based on that point system. So, you know, let's say, and I forget the numbers off the top of my head, but you know, a basic would need, let's say, twenty five points in order to get a gold, whereas an intermediate might be twenty six and a half, and a gold is I forget twenty eight or twenty eight and a half or twenty eight. Really okay, thanks, Neil. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So, so that we do try to, you know, that way, you know, it's we take into account that someone's experience or skill level. Yeah, for sure. And once you, you get at the high level a golden advanced is, is nearly a perfect model. I mean, that's, it's, it's very hard to do. And, you know, David, Brian Bridges, how many, how many goals did you pull away this time? Uh, three, <laughs> I took four models, but two are in one category. Uh, everything yeah. rated gold, but the way amps works is if you enter three models in one category, they give you, they award you based on whatever your highest score was and in that case in that category uh the t34 i did uh took a got a 29 but i was really fortunate with a kv that i kv2 that i just finished got a 30.5 and that's the first time i've been able to do that so that was pretty stoked about that i've never gotten a a 30.5 before so that was pretty sweet uh but yeah it was a it was pretty cool so david you were eligible for two and you got two goals Jesse was eligible for three and got three golds. Yeah, I, I chose my models more strategically. I, I got a silver. I'm like the biggest loser in the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Steve says that and also took home best Russian. So yeah, uh, yeah. So so, you know, yeah. so amps has you know it's the judging and you know it's all the open system with, with yeah. you know, so basically everyone is eligible for yeah. to get the various medals. Mm-hmm. At the end of that, there are a number of best of awards that are you know, one is chosen and that is the one. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was yeah. on the committee that actually was, was doing the best ofs. And let me tell you, that was no easy task at all. Um, you know, Steve, your, your model was absolutely beautiful, but there were a bunch of contenders there. Yeah. You know, there, there, oh, yeah. Was, there was some heated debate. And then, uh, you know, there's a group of about six or seven of us. Uh, usually those who are the, uh, the assistant chief judges who you know, do the math and run the, uh, the judging shifts. And, uh, you know, we kind of get together and eventually after all that heated debate, we will vote on, you know, what is the best of each category. And um, 
And yeah, you you, you got it for, uh, for for best Russian or Soviet, and that was well deserved, my friend. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. It was yeah, a thrill. I'm, that was the highest award I've ever gotten. So that was a great thrill. Really, I'm very 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 happy about that and flattered and all that stuff. But uh, you know, it's it, it 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 this is the part where it starts to become like IPMS. I've I've brought what I thought were better models in the past, and then. Uh, I, friend of mine mac johnson had scratch built some russian tractor and it was like what are you kidding me you know, yeah, when, when, when you get to the best ofs that's where it does get competitive because yeah the you know we're we're, we're looking at five or six models that all got you know, normally if you get a 30 or above you're uh you're, you're going to get landed on that table and then right. you're going to look at your the models and yeah it, it gets real nitpicky um yeah, I remember there are times when, like, you know, I can't believe I'm even pointing this out, but this is what we're down to to, to differentiate between these, these models. It's it's kind of yeah. so. Now, how I many? Had, I had a very experienced AMPS guy tell me one time. He said, "You know, I've been in AMPS for many years. I've won many golds." He says, "When I go to a show, my goal is that my model is considered for the best ups." He goes, "I don't have to win." As long as yep. my model gets taken off the table into the back and considered that I'm, I feel like I've you know hit my. Yeah, you know, that, that's a really good point uh, that Steve makes there because uh, this time I took like I said I took four models and when they were doing the best of awards I noticed that all four had been taken back, and to me that was oh, like yeah. one of the most exciting wow. things I've ever had and you know I've been going to model contests since I think 1997. <laughs> And for that, even though I didn't win any, I was like, I don't care. That, that was just yeah. so awesome that oh, yeah. they were even in consideration life. because who I was competing against for those best ofs, because that's the only time when amps really gets to be a competition is for those yeah. best yep. ofs. Anybody beat me, that's fine because that's 100% earned on their part because they were all excellent models. But just to be considered and with those guys is, is an honor. I'll tell you what, just just pile on the, what, the point that's already been made. When I... When I go to an amp show, I, I really feel like my model is being stood up next to a yardstick. It's being judged on its own. If there's 50 other better models that day, mine is still going to get a look, and I'm still going to get some feedback that I can use. And, uh, you know, that's just what I like about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hey, one thing I want to – sorry, uh, go ahead. I just, I just want to ask a question. I mean, it almost sounds like – um, this has been a fascinating discussion, and without, I'm not trying to cause controversy and say IPMS is better or AMPS is better, but it almost sounds like I think the term that was used was juried exhibition. It almost sounds like the modelers that are entering, if you consider them as the customers, they're getting a higher quality experience from the aspect of they're getting that feedback. They're getting measured against that yardstick. It's sort of a... Um, you know, from a, again, from a customer satisfaction standpoint, they're getting a better experience that way. What do you guys? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the other side of the coin too. And you got a good point there, but David, did you, David, Jesse, do you, Neil, do you guys feel like when you go and judge at an amp show, it's a tremendous burden or is it a benefit? It's a benefit. It's a, I it's a absolutely love it. Um, you know, at the same time, it's it's a bit of a responsibility because yeah, you know you you've got to be you've got to be fair and impartial, you know. And, and, but and at the same time, you've got to not cane the modeler. So you know you you yeah you got to be a little careful. You know, you really want to do it right. 
because and, you know, and given someone's going to get something yeah, out of it. At the end of the show, we're all drooling on ourselves because um, we're because we're so tired. Uh, but um, yeah, you know, it, it's it, it, it's it's a burden, but it's a good burden. Yeah. So you go, you know, my my I, I liken it to this: you go on a camping trip, if you don't help collect firewood, you're not going to be very popular. Well, when you go to Amps, there are chores to be done. And just like at an IPMS show, so you say, look, these people put on the show, I'm going to do my part and judge. And then at an IPMS show, by the end of the day, you feel like it wasn't, it wasn't a great joy, just my experience. Yeah. And, and then at the AMP show, I feel like the show was delivered to me. And I sat around with a bunch of my buddies and, and analyzed it and said, you know what? I really like what he did there. I really like what he did there. I'm taking all these lessons home. And you, judging is a joy. Yep. Yeah. I, I, you know. I just want to note real quick, you know, one of the first AMP shows I judged, Mig Jimenez model came to my judging table. Yep. And it's like, whoa. And, you know, you got your, that, you know, was your, that your martyr. Was that so the, was I that had the, the uh, I had the Japanese tank. He brought. Oh, okay. Not, Same not. year he brought the martyr and the uh, Stug and the Mark four. And he brought a Walker bulldog too. And I just remember, you know, it, it was, again, like you mentioned, it's a privilege. And you're there with, you know, the kebab stick, like looking at things <laughs> and pointing things out. And, and it's a bonding experience with your fellow modelers. And you leave the table not only, you know, more satisfied at not only helping the show, uh, getting to see what work there is, but, you know, creating a special bond with a guy that you probably never met sometimes. Right. I, I will say I to, one- be, to be fair to IPMS, that's where I, I cut my teeth on judging. And I judged at all levels at IPMS, local, regional, national. And from that, I definitely learned how to become a very good builder for sure. Because when you get involved with the judging process there, you start to learn how to really develop a keen eye for this is not correct here this is out of whack there but then sometimes you kind of feel a bit of fatigue doing it you know after three or four hours of judging in a national competition of trying to find the smallest differences between these really excellent models and trying to boil them down to one two and three and you do get something out of that but it almost is a little bit more negative feeling whereas with amps I've always felt, I think my first amp show was back in 2013 in Atlanta, if I recall correct, that you get in there and yeah, you're looking at stuff, but you're not just looking at what divides this from something else. You're All you're thinking about is that one person's model and what did they do and not what did they do wrong, but what did they do right as well. And then you get to leave them that feedback and this that plus the camaraderie you get with the judges and it's the whole system. It just feels so much more positive. Yeah. That's why when I ever go to an AMP show, I absolutely, I think I did four or five uh, judging and assistant chief judging shifts this time because it's not a burden. It so doesn't wear you out. You feel energized after it. Yeah. So I guess one other thing that I want to say is that, you know, also as, if you're judging it, you know, if you're not already in advanced smaller, I've been going to years and years and years, you know, it's a great opportunity to sit there and get a close up view for, I think typically we've been running about six to eight minutes per model where you're talking to three other guys who may be more experienced than you and you get to look up close about, you know, how someone else did it, you know, John, in, in your, in your example of Mickey Menez. And then, you know, obviously there's lots of good stuff that comes across the table and you, you know, it's not, again, it's not just trying to find flaws, but you're also just seeing these guys styles up close on a rotisserie with well, somewhat decent lighting. Um, yeah. And you get to go, Hey, what do you like? What do you not like? You know, you kind of help to develop kind of, 
you know, your own style, which, which I found really, very helpful. Um, you I know, will, I, I, I will say this and, uh, this, you know, uh, I'll be as positive as I can, but when you have a one, two, three system, you have to have precise wheel alignment, precise track alignment, or your, your model is not going to be a contender. And you may never hear what the real problem was. If the, if the issue is very small, the amp system I found, and I would say this about open judging systems is that if your wheel is out of alignment, you're going to get a half a point, maybe one point ding and move on. And the, the whole model will be evaluated. So you can learn it each step of the way and you'll get the feedback, but it encourages a modeler not to go buy the Tamiya kit. Cause it's going to fit together like, you know, laser straight, but to build the oddball subjects and the, and the, and the resin kit that really yeah. doesn't deserve to be completed, <laughs> you know? It, and that's it, another the, uh, the, the, part the kind of, of an open system in my mind. To kind of dovetail with what Steve's saying there is a degree of difficulty is part of it. You, you yeah. get some points for that. So there is some reward for saying, you know, did you do something or attempt something that was more difficult? And that, that point isn't for how well you achieved it, but did you try for it? Did you swing for it? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if you just went with something that was just fell together, you might not get as much. But if you really took a kit that needed work and added a lot and really went for it, regardless of how well you did, because those are covered in other categories of judging, that degree of difficulty is something that will reward you for taking some risk and trying to push yourself and to do more and to learn more, which I think and, is another great aspect of judging. And th there are certainly times when, you know, I've been sitting at judging tables and we've looked at it and he goes, oh, my God, you know, it's the such and such a kit. The, you, the guy deserves a medal just for completing it and not hurling it at the wall at high yeah. speed. Yeah. <laughs> probably, a, probably the favorite model that I got to judge this, this year was a, it was a basic modeler. He did a Tamiya Panther G and it, it was, it was a basic model. It was someone who was just getting started out, but he tried some T-Rex, you know, aftermarket tracks. He did some photo etch and he actually applied the photo etch pretty well for a basic mm -hmm. modeler and did all these things. So we were able to give him, more credit for trying all these things out. You know, he, yeah. he swung for the fences and yeah. at the same time we were able to give him some pointers and the way we did it on the judging team, there were four of us. He gets all of those judging sheets back when we're done to read our feedback, regardless of whose score gets thrown out, he gets to see everything. And we all divided it up and said, all right, well, you talk about this for him here and I'll talk about this. And then we give him the maximum number of comments that were different to kind of explain to him, hey, here's what you did good that we really liked, and here's some places where you can improve. Yeah. But just doing that process for that guy, I hope it really meant something to him. I don't have a clue who it was, but I really liked it. They really swung for the fences, and they tried, and they, and they were really into it. And I was like, this is awesome to be able to kind of give back to them and maybe try to boost them up and give them a path to having more fun with the hobby. Hey, John Bonani, you'll love this. I'm judging. I can't remember whether it was an intermediate or an advanced model, but a Panzer IV lands in front of me. It's converted from a J to a G. And I'm looking at it, and something from my childhood started to rattle around. I go, that's the monogram kit. Oh, yeah. It that. was nice. Yes, somebody, that model was excellent. Somebody took a monogram Panzer IV J, turned it into a G, and David, do you remember, Jesse, you remember seeing those figures? Yes. It, was the, it was the original monogram. The like you'd, standing like up you'd see in a Shep Payne book. That was ridiculous. It was 
Yeah, that, that model is actually on the uh, Plastic Posse uh, uh, group page. Uh, yeah. If you look through those posts, the pictures I did, the gray Panzer four. that's the one he's talking about. Yeah. It was amazing that he did How what cool he did with that, that so, kid. Uh, there's your scope of effort. I mean, that's yeah, absolutely. Just, the scope of effort this should have been points for courage. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so there, there are there are definitely points awarded for courage sometimes because, like I say, it's like, holy crap! This thing was just you know a square block of resin, and the guy basically you know chiseled yep. the tank out. Of it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, one of the, the things four judges at the table bought it and threw it out, and this guy finished it. You know? Exactly. I'm going to share my screen real quick, and I want to put this up. This is the best of show, and I believe Jeff was in the chat not too long ago. Yeah, he's you know, commented a couple times. So for yeah, you know here. the for the guys who attended the show, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Maybe everybody take a, a minute or two to, you know, tell me what you know. You guys probably saw this piece. Tell me what you loved oh, yeah. about it. Tell me, tell me, you know, why why it was you know best of show. It had feeling to it to me. I'm just kind of starting to getting into vignettes and dioramas, and that's one of the things I really enjoyed was getting that feedback. It's the first time I've ever entered a, a vignette in a competition and getting that feedback is great for me. But seeing this particular one, I definitely remember it. Uh, you don't see it in the picture there, but on the backside of that building, there's more. And the, yeah. the title home alone comes from the fact yeah. that there's a dead German soldier on the bottom. That's been killed by these uh, allies moving through the town. But in the, in the upstairs part, there's a little kid in the corner and he's surrounded by a bunch of his belongings. And it's just that, it's not just the story there, Home Alone, you know, you think the movie, you know, and Macaulay Culkin and all that, but it's this kid that's by himself, and it's that, you know, that storytelling impact that's supposed to be in a diorama. Yeah. This one had it, and when it won Best of Show, I was like, yeah, that, that totally makes sense. I I remember seeing this on the table and looking at it and going, oh, yeah, you know, nice diorama. And then, you know, it came into the uh, – the best ofs and we were we were judging it you know and it got best, best style and then somebody turns it around because Jeff genius you put it on a turntable and spun it around and he goes look and we saw the kid hiding in the attic you know from hiding from the war and I just threw up my hands I'm like all right that's it I'm I'm done this is this is genius. <laughs> And to add to that, Neil, yeah. uh, I think one of the things that really made this diorama awesome for me was that it's one of those ones where every time you look at it, you see something you didn't notice before. And when I first saw this, um, you know, I saw the title Home Alone and I see the the dead German gunner and I'm like, OK, like I, that makes sense. And then when Steve got to the show, I brought him over to like, hey, look at this is really cool. And he was like, yo, look at that kid in the attic. And I was like. I didn't even notice that before. Yeah. And it's like the fact that you can interpret the diorama either one of those ways is just so cool. And the mm -hmm. fact that, like I said, you know, you look at it and you see something new every single time. And it's just awesome. Yeah. I, yeah. Mean, I, I, I said to Jeff in the, in the bar afterwards, I said, you know, there was a lot of beautiful craftsmanship on the tables, but he took it to art. And that was yeah. the thing uh, that, that you know, pushed it over the top for me. And, and there again, on any other day, that could have been Jesse's model because Jesse's model, to me, it uh, you know, when a model leaves you with kind of an emotional experience, yep. it's, it's something a little bit different, a little bit better. Yep. Absolutely. 
Yeah, this is gorgeous. And that that was just the quality of the stuff. Like, you know, it was it was brutal. That 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 best in show discussion as we were trying to uh, to figure out and differentiate between the the, the 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 different models there. It was tough. You know that that's where you know somebody said you know, was the judging a burden. At that point, it was it was a burden. I was yeah. really honored to be part of, mm-hmm. but but it was tough, man. Yeah, it was yeah. a great piece, and Jeff's a great modeler. You know, he's been he's been very close a number of times. Um, but yeah, I, I you know this was sitting right next to my Sherman, and you know we we were kind of just trading back and forth. It's actually the same Tasca kit that that I used, and we were just like, oh, what'd you do here? What'd you do here? And, I mean, it, it was it was great. This was a really really nice piece. The whole building is scratch built, um, and also just in general, the display was very, you know looked like yeah. a professional. You know, you can yeah. see you know obviously the placard on the front. Um, there's a couple other things that uh, that he had there, um, you know, at the at the table that it, it just it looked great. And uh, yeah, and, and yeah, and I got a chance to talk to Jeff quite a bit uh, after the in the evenings uh, at the bar. So that was a good time. Yeah. So then uh, Jeff gets promoted to Amps Master, and that's a lifetime honor. He doesn't. That is that is correct. That's it. Yeah, and you know, let's focus on that for a minute. Talk about you know, I, I'd point maybe to. You know, you Steve or Neil, give us a flavor of what an amps master is. What what does that mean? And then what you know, going back to a show, how are they judged, and how is it a little bit different than everybody else? It's a little bit different in that uh, they compete only with the masters, and they can only get a gold medal or nothing. Is that right, Neil? That that is correct. Yeah. So the so the. Once you you win best in show at the uh, at the national show, yes, you are promoted to the the masters category. At that point, um, yeah, you are. It's a lifetime achievement. Uh, you are the the only award you will get at that point will be a gold or not, um, and you are judged by other amps masters. And you're still eligible for best of show because there have been a couple repeats. Yeah, um, amps masters a couple of years in a row. That is that is but, correct. You know, you're going way back. When you read that na- list of names that are amps masters, you'll recognize every one of them. Yep, yep. You know, one of the things I think I think maybe this this was contender for best of show as well because I think I see some value gear on there as well. Let's not forget about Steve <laughs> oh, no Munsell in the well, room. That I mean. <laughs> And you know what? No matter how much value gear I put on mine, I never go near that. <laughs> so, uh, Jackson, you got to tell us about the social life down here. What was it like hanging out with all the old dudes? <laughs> Honestly, it, it was awesome. Uh, I was talking to a few of these guys uh, earlier about it. And I mean, like I said, I've, I've never really had that experience before. Um, I, I've, I'll have brief conversations with people at IPMS shows, but I mean, so, so just, what you're saying Jackson is you've never hung out with that many old people in your life. Pretty much. Yeah. Like I think you're all on a list now actually. So just wanted to make sure you knew, um, but no, I mean like hanging out with Steve throughout the day, just sitting at his booth and then, you know, go, we went to a Mexican restaurant right after got some good food and we're talking oh, and I mean, Steve put it almost perfectly when I left. Uh, he was like, you know, I'm glad you hung out with us. Like, we're your people. And I'm like, that is exactly true. Like, these are the people that I can talk to about the things that I'm passionate about. And they know exactly what I'm saying. 
I've got plenty of friends who are supportive of me and my hobbies, but if I go start talking to them about, you know, a Tamiya kit, they're going to have no idea what I'm talking about. And it's just a different type of friendship that like, you know, it's just something everyone should have. And I think amps is an amazing place to get that. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I want to kick it over to Steve Munsell. I think he's in a unique position as a manufacturer, as selling stuff, you know, tell us about your experience, you know, meeting customers and then seeing the work of your customers on the table. Oh, I, I, I love it when I go out and I see stuff on the tables and, and the different ways people use it because, you know, I'm never one that wants everybody to build a tank a certain way or the same thing that they always saw in a picture. I want people to experiment with it, mix and match. And, you know, it's just cool to see it used in so many different ways. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, uh it's, it's cool to see it. it was just fantastic. I mean, I, I was going to ask like how many, how many models were on the tables there? Because it was, it was loaded. We there had a total so of 532 models entered. Okay. And no yeah. airplanes. It was fantastic. <laughs> it was. It was not our uh, our biggest show ever. Uh, that was that. Uh, that was Dayton a few years back. Yeah. But the um, but it was up uh, on uh, the, the the last show, which was in Buffalo. So uh, you know, it was it was nice to see, and uh, you know, like I said, it was just great to get together uh, with everybody again. Oh, and good to see the Mexican restaurant here. Yeah, that was. Good yeah, stuff. yeah, that place was yeah. fantastic. Even, <laughs> even like I'm, I'm a vegetarian, but even the um, the Brazilian meat sword place was was awesome. The salad bar was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was it was really cool. And we had the VIP upper booth. Yeah, and we went up now, top. It looks we, like we a have... jail with the bars. Yeah, it kind of does. <laughs> <laughs> Probably yeah, was. We're gonna keep them in the cage. Yeah, yeah. That was to keep the model miscreants out. Yeah, better, yeah. better, better lock the tank geeks away. Yeah. Um, but we got to talk about what Jackson did to Angel. I mean, Angel's the nicest guy you'll ever meet, and you know, Jackson just broke the man's heart. You know, I mean, Jackson's such an outstanding. <laughs> young guy he's done so much he's 22 years old and uh angel's like he's done more than me than my 22 than i've done in my whole life and, uh, you know so so ev- after that i mean me and my friend dave and angel were texting each other and we just kept coming up with so many ridiculous things that jackson was amazing at that he doesn't even know about <laughs> and it's like yeah jackson's building a monogram kit like while he's skydiving and uh you know (laughs) you know he's 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 setting up a first aid station in ukraine in between like his classes you know but yeah i don't know it it was really good to meet such an outstanding young guy like that thank uh, you steve thank you i I look forward to seeing what you're gonna do from here it's uh it's good to know that the uh the modeling community is not composed entirely of old farts yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah he can be around to bury us all <laughs> <laughs> well um you know he's gonna get fa- he's gonna get famous doing something amazing and, or be president and we can all you know he'll he'll take care there of us to set up an old folks home for us or something yeah <laughs> yeah there's yeah, yeah, old folks home or mental asylum one of the two. yeah but but modeling there that's what's important so mm-hmm. you know 
there's another picture I want to share too. And, and, uh, DB, I'm going to, I'm going to steal some from your, from your page, you know, yeah, absolutely. when I look, when I look at this photo, it's, it's really, it's really telling to me. And I think what's, what it, what jumps out the most is what do you notice with most of these models? The base, there's a lot of bases there and I love it. And I think it goes back to, and maybe you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but when you sometimes when you go to an IPMS show, you don't really see this. You see a lot of models on uh, you know pieces of paper. Where here, it's like mini vignettes, mini stories, and and I I love this photo. I think it really tells a great story in itself. Yep. One one of the things that we have tried to encourage over the years with amps is to get people to put their models on a base. One reason for that is because, you know, there is a bunch of handling required. Yep. Right? So, yeah, all right, you know, we, we can put it on a tray and, you know, we pass it through the system and we try not to handle the model, uh, you know, any more than, than we absolutely have to. But, uh, you know, but putting it on a base makes that a lot easier because you can pick up the base and you can put the model where it needs to be and, uh, and so on. I remember, uh, oh, there's my KD. Um, <laughs> but... Um, Thank you, thank you. Uh, but but yeah, I, I remember years ago a guy did a sectioned Panzer three. It yes. was like twelve inches high, you know, and he did not attach the various sections to the wire frame that he had composed uh, to uh, to to put all this thing on. Yeah, kind of like that. And yep. we were all terrified of of breathing on the modeling because yeah. you know the, the subsection fell off. So, uh, you know, it, it's great to have things on a base and a little bit yeah. secure so that as we move them around the show uh, and out to the tables, you know, we, uh, you know we, we just don't give the judges a nervous that, break. That Panzer IV there made me legit nervous because you walked up to it. And it's <laughs> that picture there that I took two pictures of that. And there's a little tab uh, that you don't see in that picture, a little metal tab that says, basically, pull me. And I'm like, yo, is this for real? Is this like a trap or something? <laughs> and you pull it and the whole, like it's originally at first it's staggered so you can see everything. But as you pull the tab, it moves everything on top like you oh. see right there. And I was like, that's pretty clever. That's, that's really that was, neat. That was, that's but I was genius. so damn nervous. I was like, I mean, no one's telling me not to. and I really, really want to. <laughs> so I'm going I'm to take a chance and do it. And I was glad I did. I was like, oh, that's really cool, man, because I've got the little skirt armor hanging off there and everything. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's the way it yeah. was when you walk up and you need to pull the tab and the whole thing slides over. I was like, that is just damn clever to, to if set it up falls like that. Off, you're running into the next room. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm looking. I'm, just, I'm not making eye contact and I'm leaving. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it was, it was they're really uh, clever. Because, you know, doing a vehicle with an interior is always challenging of, how do I show off yeah. this work while still people getting the idea of what this thing's going to look like when it's assembled? And the way he did that was a super clever. And that was, I, I believe that was one of the master's entries, if I recall correctly. It, it and, was. And I know he's kind of well-known for, I think he won his master's a, few, a number of years ago with, a, I believe it was a Panzer One or a Panzer Two that was done similarly. And that was so, one of the things I thought was nicest about this show. I feel like in the ones that I've been to, I felt like there were more masters on display yeah. than there probably have been in years past. And again, that may be because of the delay with all COVID and everything, but that was really cool. I especially enjoyed seeing all of David Vickers' uh, dioramas that he had brought. Mm -hmm. His stuff is always just really amazing, but just yeah. all of them in general, all the master stuff was really, really cool. Yeah, that's yeah. one of them there. Yeah. yeah. That was very well done. Dave, Dave does beautiful work. Mm -hmm. And this is a, a, total a-class individual he really is a yeah he is yeah 
I love his awardee sponsors. Yep. Yeah. Was that the Marine Corps one? Yeah. Yeah. We, we did have a slight battle injury over that because uh, when um, Chuck Rothman was ha- uh, handing that over to him, he uh, he accidentally put his hand on the blade of the knife. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> So, so yes, K, K bar. We said it's a battle wound. We're going to give you a purple heart. <laughs> so I want to go around the room, you know, with the uh, with the vendor table, uh, you know, picture here. I'd love to go around the room. We're going to steal a phrase from our sister podcast, the Mojo. You know what? What broke your wallet at this show? And, and maybe you know, Jackson, we'll go to you first. <laughs> I knew, I knew it would be me. All right, I got it right here. This All is right. what broke my wallet. Ooh. I have been looking for this book for so long, and I found the second edition for, I think it was $100. Um, now, the thing about getting that book is I don't actually have an Israeli Sherman in my stash, so I immediately went and bought one of those, too. No, so I bought one right after. I was like, I have to if I have the book. So those two things combined, that that basically wiped out my wallet. <laughs> nice. Nice. David, how about yourself? Uh, you know, I failed utterly in the vendor room mm-hmm. this time. The only thing I was really going to look for this year was to me as M18 Hellcat. And the only one that could be found was uh, over at the uh, David Doyle books. He was uh, doing a raffle for one, and that was the only one in the house oh. as far as I could tell. And, of course, I didn't win. So I, I bought some paints, and uh, I eventually ended up buying an old uh, Dragon Kugelblitz, the, the original one, not the new one, because I had built that guy back in high school and made a mess of it. I was like, well, maybe I can actually build it correctly this time and do something decent with it. Uh, and I bought a couple of little odds and ends, but yeah, I, I really didn't buy a lot. It wasn't for lack of stuff being there. There was definitely a lot of stuff that I thought about. I've just been kind of getting a little bit of pickier about uh, how I spend my money lately. Uh, well, when you own everything, I mean, you got a library. Right? Yeah, eventually you run out of stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I'm going to be a plug for a second, David. Uh, Angel, the guy we were talking about earlier, I don't know if you know him. Yeah. He actually just got his Hellcats in stock. So yep. he was telling yeah, us. Yeah, I, I saw it at Sprue Brothers. Uh, son, I think it's in, son on Facebook today saying they're available for pre order. So I instantly went to Sprue Brothers and pre ordered it because that's go. one of the few kits that I, I've been waiting for for a long, long time. Get, yeah, get the deck models decals as well. Yes. Yeah, our I black have, art. I have JB. <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, Jeff Feller is right there. I think probably next year about half the entries will be Hellcats because <laughs> everybody's been waiting for one of those for sure. But yeah, the uh, the other thing that, that uh, popped up apart from the Hellcats was the uh, the Tamiya KV-2. Uh, all the Apparently there was a container load of Tamiya stuff, which was floating off of the portal close for the last month and uh, turned up. You know, the distributors got their stuff like Monday or Tuesday. Oh, geez. Yeah. And we got to give a special plug for Value Gear himself with that new M18 set. Yep. Got that. Ready to go for once I'm ahead of uh, the kits arriving. So, (laughs) (laughs) are those on sale yet? Uh, No, but if if somebody really wants it, um, they can just email me and we'll. We'll sort it out. But um, I'm trying to have one, but I'm just so busy. Yeah. TJ's Uh, got one. I've I mean, got one to, uh, for my Hellcat. On your, on your, on your page, Steve. Right uh, there. Say again. I've been Neil? waiting for it to pop up on your on your page because I've got. It, it's funny. I don't have the Hellcat yet, but I've got all the update sets for it, and uh, now I want to get the stowage set as well. Well, if if you, uh, I, I don't know where you live, but um, if uh, Angel still got some, if uh, yeah. you're going to the Fairfax show, he's going to be. Okay, right I'll, I'll I'll talk to Angel. Cool. Yeah. 
you might want to give him a heads up and get get him to hold it aside for you. <laughs> yeah. So Jesse, what broke your wallet at the show? So at the uh, at the Amps Atlanta show a couple months ago, um, we had the trip down to uh, Fort Benning uh, in, oh, into nice. the main collection, uh, and I took advantage of that. I took the day off from work and, and took advantage of that, and I took a ton of pictures of. Uh, they've got an M60 with a uh, with a dozer blade on. Um, and, uh, and then they had a, a, another M60 that has a lot of the, uh, the ERA. And so, uh, I found the tack home kit. So, uh, I found it's also about the thickest box I could oh find. Gosh, this thing's yeah. massive. Um, but yeah, th- this is the one. And I, I, unlike, uh, many modelers, uh, I do not have a large stash. I was joking that with the one kit, like, man, I increased my stash by like 20% with one kit. So <laughs> that was good. We all envy you. Cause I think that's the way we should be. <laughs> yeah. I think he, Jesse, I didn't see which Tacom M60 was that. Uh, it's the uh, basically the, uh, the the Desert Storm, uh, the M60A1 with the ERA and the, oh, and okay. the dozer blade. It's a great kit, by the way. Yeah, I, everything I read about it, and I was talking to you know some buddies that I was walking around with said, yeah, that the, the Tacom kits are, are very nice. So uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, putting that one. I mean, I'm a pretty slow builder, so I mean that's probably a couple years away. We'll see. We'll figure it out. Nice. Now. You- you think about getting T-Rex tracks for it? I don't know if they have M61s out yet, but I'm sure they'll so. be on the horizon. Oh, no, you know, of course, you know, the, uh, about a couple hours after I bought it, I uh, I uh, got the AFE Indy, Indy Links. Oh, nice. So nice. I'll, I'll do that. Um, that's a, that's I built really rules cool for mine. They were a pain in the ass. <laughs> 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 they look nice. They look really nice, though. Yeah, yeah, one of the buddies I was with had, uh, you know, he's built I think two or three of the Tacom kits. He's like, just get those; they're they're good. There's some sinkholes in them, like a lot of the AFE track, uh, Indy Link tracks, but yeah, I'll manage. Nice. So, Steve, you're back. Let's hear what what broke your wallet at the show. What'd you buy? Um, I got a few of the mini art accessory sets that might become hard to get soon. The welders and the cable reels and boxes and you know that kind of stuff and uh you were doing a when you did your uh butte panzer sherman the other day john you were talking about your favorite oil brushers or dust and starship filth oh yeah so i went over to angel's table and he had starship grime and dust effect or some something like that and i said well that must have been what john was talking about so i bought it <laughs> you know and then a couple hours later i come down by his table again and he's got some more stuff out and he's got exactly what you were talking about so i bought that so uh you know over 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 buying on paint products that, that is the one thing that i found that i've been looking for for a while is a damn tube of starship filth oil paint <laughs> yeah. i have not yeah. been able to find that anywhere and angel had a tube and i was like all right uh, that's mine and i, I grabbed it and, and ran so uh, yeah, that was I, definitely a, one of my better purchases yeah I, I don't know whether it was uh dayton or whether it was buffalo but dave youngquist uh, did a um, figure painting seminar and he talked about starship filth. And then you went back to Angel's stand and all the stuff, you know, there was <laughs> horde around, around there, you know, <laughs> starship filth. <laughs> yeah, it's the most universal yeah, weathering color known to mankind. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to think, you know, I mean, I know I left home with a ton of money and came home with none, but yeah, <laughs> it was probably beer. <laughs> I spent all my money on the raffle. So. It looked good. The raffle looked great. It was awesome. Yeah, I got got a couple of books and decals, and I just 
you know, give it to my friend, you know, other people that wanted it. You know, I brought home just a couple kits, you know, a modern armored car and uh, German SWS half track. Nice. You, I mean, you probably had to barter with the flight attendant to get a seat, so I'm yeah. sure you lost some of your raffle stuff that way, too. Yeah, yeah. They gave me the shake, though. <laughs> nice. There's some, last... there's some Delta flight attendant wearing one of Steve's new T-shirts, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Actually, the, the best thing I got the whole place were all these little mixing bottles. Oh, little, yeah. Big uh, ammo-looking mixing bottles or whatever. Because uh, I like my own colors, and I never have anything to put them in. So Nice. And last but not least, Neil, what would you buy there? I mean, I think you have everything, except a uh, real tank, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> As my wife will attest to. Uh, <laughs> it was the funny thing, though. You know, there, there were no, uh, to me, M18s, so what did I do? You know, I bought one night, I came home the show and she's like you got a lot of nerve bucko <laughs> <laughs> but um no i uh, I, I i won the old berlin m60a3 book in the raffle and uh so you know after that i uh i went looking and uh angel happened to have a uh an m60 a take on m60a3 with a dozer blade so i grabbed that not that i'm a major um Modern armor guy, but I, you know, I got something about the Cold War stuff, so that was kind of cool. And um, the the other thing was the uh, Gene Bagnoli had a uh, the what is it Hobby Boss uh, Vickers Medium Mark II Special. Now the Australians, you know, and as you know, I am an Australian. Uh, had a, a variant of that, so I've got to do a little bit of modification to the kit. But I've been thinking about it for a while, and you know, like the only prices I could see were insane. So I said to Gene, "Hey, yo, know, Gene, what are you going to do?" And I, I won't go through the whole um, machinations on the uh, the dollars, but he quoted me a price. I said, "Gene, I can't in good conscience buy that kit off you for that price." And he said, "Well, you can't have the kit then," and took it back. <laughs> and I said, "All right, you know, I can't, look, I can't even make change on that. I will give you, you know, X dollars more." And he goes, "Well, you still can't have the kit." All right, Gene, I'm telling your wife. And uh, so then we we negotiated, and uh, I I bought the model off him for a very good price. But um, but yeah, I uh, I did well. I was a very happy camper coming home. So That's Gene awesome. must be related to Steve. If anybody's ever bought anything from Steve, you know you've got to reverse negotiate because he'll have a set of resin for twenty bucks. So you'll hand him a twenty, and then he'll like keep throwing stuff at you. You're like, no, no, Steve, stop, stop. <laughs> yeah, I think it's kind of the same way. But, you know, uh, Neil, I almost bought that kid out from under you. <laughs> I just wanted to build the Vickers Mark II, and I saw it, and he, he offered me a price for it, and I was like, eh, I've already spent too much money, so I didn't, but I'm glad you got it. Yeah. Well, now I've got to figure out exactly how to flip the turret front plate because the the Australians, for some obscure reason, put the coax machine gun on the other side. And so I'm going to have to you know, cut that out and, and uh, create a new front plate with the coax aperture and the sighting aperture reversed. Wow. I'm glad I didn't buy it then. <laughs> no, you know, that, no that, you know, if you were doing it as a British version, the kit is fine. entirely yeah. fine. Right. 
the Australians are weird. Maybe it's because you know we're upside down on the right. <laughs> on the world. You're on the bottom of the world. That's yeah, weird. that is weird. The uh, you know we, we, we're we're really good at hanging on to the earth with our toes, that sort of thing. <laughs> so so I have another general question for amps. You know, you guys went there, you broke your wallet. You know, you saw stuff you love, but you know, let's focus on. If you could pick one piece at the show that really spoke to you, it could be simple, super simple. It could be, you know, the winner of best in show. Like what, what was your piece that you thought like, Oh man, I am happy to see this on the table. And, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid to pick somebody first cause they're probably thinking about it. Um, yep. But go ahead, Steve, we'll start with you. Uh, uh, Jason, I don't, I don't know his last name, but we spent Jennings. a bit of time at dinner with him. Is Jason what? Jennings. Jennings. He did, uh, and it's a T something. I don't know modern armor, but a T something, and it's blown up, and it's clash at the border. Yeah, it's the uh, you know Chinese tanks? main battle tank. ZTC oh yep. something. yeah, ZTC ninety nine. I think. Yeah, I thought that was really well done. I thought that was a fantastic build. It was the border box art, except the tank was blown. Oh up. yeah, the one where the San San Diego's in the back, San Francisco Bay Bridge is in the background. <laughs> yeah. That was the People's Choice Award winner. That's awesome. It was cool. Nice. Very Jackson. cool. Jackson, how about yourself? I was looking through my photos to see if I could decide. There were so <laughs> many that like really spoke to me. Um, I think the one that got me the most was someone who built, I think it's TACOM, did the Flak Towers in Berlin. Yep. And someone did, I think it was the Zoo Tower uh, in like Chuck January. Of, yeah, that was, yeah, in, yeah. In January of 45. And it was just... It's a new kit. It was something different. They use the precision snow, which is something that I've been like really considering buying lately. So seeing it on a model, I was like, damn it, now I kind of have to. <laughs> um, so I think that was probably my my top one. Nice. Speaking of precision snow, I won the auction in our charity build for it, and it's on the way. Awesome. TJ. So uh, I'm ready for that. Uh, hey, I, I have another one to mention too. Um, the the Vietnam one with the trees or. Korean War, Vietnam, red on red, with the turtles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was yeah, unbelievable. That was that was crazy. Oh, with the uh, I think I have it right here. I'm gonna share my. Yes, screen that's the, right the first picture I took. I think. Yeah, I've seen that. That was at the Old Dominion Open. It was yeah. yeah. They had all the snakes with the uh, little locations for them and whatnot. <laughs> this yeah, one. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's the yep, one. Yep. Wow. What what scale was this? 135. It's 135. Wow. It's, it's large. I was yeah. going to say, it has to be huge. Yeah, the yeah. work they did on the trees and everything was just fantastic. It's pretty, mind, pretty mind-blowing in person. Yeah. To, to get 135th scale trees looking that real is just insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Neil, what was your favorite one? Well, I'm, I'm going to do a, a, a bit of a cop-out because, honestly – I was running around like a chicken with his head chopped off <laughs> most of the show, so I didn't get to see a lot of the, uh, the the models until afterwards when people started posting things on Facebook. But I, the the, you know, the, the, the thing that sticks in my mind most is Jeff Feller's Home Alone. Yeah, that just blew me away. You know, I, I, like I said before, I liked all the craftsmanship. I revolved it around, and then I saw the kid in the attic, and that was just like. Damn. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I'm, and I'll, I'll try to find some close-up pictures of it. You know, Steve, what do you think? What's yours? 
Yeah, again, a little bit of a cop out. I really like that People's Choice one that Steve Munsell liked. And uh, but apart from that, I'll tell you this: this is kind of going to be a cop out as well. I have many, many, many old friends at that show, and and then there was Jackson there that I just met, and David and Jesse for the first time, and I've known Neil for a long time. I walk around with my friends, and I say, "Would you bring?" And they show me. And then in the award ceremony to sit there and watch a parade of my buddies going up, there's just so many. It that's that's you know more more important than the model is just to see that you know your friends are enjoying the hobby as much as you are. It's it's just awesome. Oh, 100 percent. I mean that's 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 the most fun of these shows. You know, it, really. it is, man. When you, you know, it, it, I, I mean, I could talk about Tony Zadro stuff. Oh yeah, uh, Tony's Tony great. Oh master. yeah, yeah. And he had three models there that, you know, each one of them. Tony, Tony is. You can't pick out what Tony's best um, ability is. His figures mm-hmm. are off the, off the charts. His diorama bases are off the charts. His stowage is off the charts. He's he's picking this crazy difficult plus model resin Italian vehicle. Uh, it's articulated in the middle. It's got these giant wheels. It's just crazy. He's, that, yeah. that trench digger was insane. That's Tony in the background there. Yeah, that's Tony yeah. right there. Yep. <laughs> so, so if you zoom in in the in the foreground, this, there's the model right in dead center in the uh, foreground. Immediately to the right of that should be the Italian uh, vehicle that yeah. Tony did, and yeah, then so his STZ. Uh, tractor with the Katyusha and yeah. a Soviet modern trenching engineering vehicle. Each one of them, I think that the, the one in the middle of the Soviet and trenching vehicle was what he got the highest award for, but it was just crazy. Yeah. His, his stuff is nuts. I mean, I, I tell you what, you were mentioning if this is the master's table, this is the most masters I've ever seen in one place. And that's not even all of it. That's, that's crazy, because usually there's two or three. I feel like in Buffalo there was only one. I got there early two. Tuesday after or early th- Friday afternoon. The, they couldn't accept my models into the show. After a little while, they did, and then there were, I want to say, nine eight foot tables piled with model entries that the judges were waiting to get to, mm-hmm. and we judged until ten thirty Friday night. Ten forty-five. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I bailed early. Jeez. Yeah, I, I, I was actually like, guys, we're fi- what, what, what ended up happening was the, uh, you know, we, we kind of finished up, and then people just started sitting at the tables and 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 chatting, and I'm like, no, get out, go to the bar, we need to walk <laughs> the room. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's neat. It's neat to walk into a restaurant or a bar nearby an event that big, and I'm sure the same thing goes on at IPMS. But a group of six of us on uh, Saturday night walked into that Mexican restaurant, and there were six other show attendees there, and they just waved us over and said, "We've got six seats over here. Come on over." And we then we had a table of twelve, and that's the picture that was shown earlier with uh, Steve on the right, Jackson on the left, and. Uh, the guys up in the far in the back were guys that I knew from New Hampshire, Vermont area, and they invited us over. It was it was just awesome. I think they invited yeah. Steve Munsell over because they wanted some value gear swag. Right. 
it's just a tremendous event. They they, yeah. they picked Steve Munsell up by the legs and just shook him. See, see what, <laughs> what falls out. <laughs> there wasn't any money in there. That's for sure. <laughs> well, yeah, you mentioned that, Steve. You know, I, I remember the Buffalo show where you go into the main lobby there and the whole, you know, lobby atrium, you know, bar area is just AMS folks. And I, mm-hmm. I'm sure that's going to happen out in IPMS, the Nats in Omaha. So, and and that's definitely the best part of it. And like you said, for a group of guys to not even know you really, to wave you over to the table just shows, again, the camaraderie that the show builds and, you know, you know exemplifies for that matter. Yep. Yeah. And. And now Jackson has so many people, you know, he's taken care of. I feel like he also got volunteer hours for something. He's he's probably actually <laughs> convicted of some crime and has to do community service. And that's yeah, that's all it is. Yeah. yeah. Going yeah. there and taking care of grandpas and, you know, escorting them around and you know, making sure that they're happy. So. <laughs> yeah, that's but, right. Uh, you can get some college credits for taking care of senior citizens. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, we joke. It, it's interesting, and and Jackson, I'm I'm so to be honest, I'm really happy to hear that you had a great time because I think one of the the barriers that we hear about a lot is you know clicks of modelers, and we you know right. to be honest, we're probably all guilty of it. You know, we have our friends, but you know to be warmly accepted, and and now you have a group of friends that is only going to get bigger and bigger every year. Is, is really awesome and tells a lot about the society itself. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's something that's really awesome. And I think, you know, everyone in the hobby should do the best they can to when they have someone new to the hobby or new to the community, they should do their best to kind of introduce them to their friends and stuff. And mm-hmm. I really have to thank uh, Steve Reed a lot for that. And, I mean, anytime someone would come over and talk to him, which, mind you, is a lot of people, <laughs> every single time without fail, he'd say, you know, hey, this is my friend Jackson. Um, he brought a few models, uh, yeah. and then they'd be like, "Oh, let me see them." And then now I know another person, he, and so he I think introduced you to me exactly the same way, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was textbook, and it's it's something that I think this hobby really needs. I think that community aspect is awesome, for sure. So, so for really, sure. let me let me tell you the completely selfish view of this too. Jackson and Zach Grizzle that I've also met, they're good. God models. bless you. <laughs> they're damn good modelers. The cl- oh yeah, the, you know, both IPMS and AMPS are going to be better as those guys develop. I mean, they're already good. They're they're. It's not like we're bringing our kid brother here. This guy is is, is an equal in every way. Five thirty years younger than me. It matters not. You know, he's a tank modeler. So, yeah, a, you know, you know. Jackson, you got to be careful. You got like Jackson and Zachary to <laughs> to stay engaged. Yeah, oh, 100 percent. I'm going to recruit him to the IPMS board. So, <laughs> so we uh, He's got him for your job. from our, uh, our our local New Jersey club. You know, he came down. This is his first Nats. He had an absolute ball. He you know he entered in basic, which you know I I, I think he should have entered in intermediate. But um, you know he he won a gold for uh, for his Tiger one and yeah he, you know he's a little older than you Jackson he's twenty six but uh, he does phenomenal work mm-hmm. the first time he came to our local club he was showing us a bunch of the things that he had scratch built at one seventy second scale I'm like okay wow. you are definitely of our tribe <laughs> that's awesome 
Well, and guys, you know, to go back to what uh, John John was saying is, um, you know, there's not a lot of Zach Grizzles in Jackson right now. And so to take him under your wing and make him feel like a part of the community is so important. You know, a lot of the younger builders are coming to the hobby in different ways than all of us did. You know, they're Wargamer mini painters or they're Gundam builders, and that's fine. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that, but um, we need to make sure that, you know, we're taking care of the younger guys and helping them and make sure that they do feel a part of this. So, and, and you know what, those, those things, the, those, those other avenues that they're entering into the community with, yeah, they bring stuff. Yeah. And, you know, we, we can learn from them too. TJ's oh. under attack. <laughs> I'll knock his Sherman off again. Yeah. That's not that. That's not actually the one that did it. Uh, I was gonna say uh, I'd mentioned I'd been to a few IPMS shows, and every year I kind of have this thing where I'll look for people that I'm like, okay, they're probably like roughly my age. And every single year, without fail, I've seen more and more people that have been in my age range. And I definitely think, yeah, we we need to find a way of bringing them in. And I think, uh, yeah, just having podcasts and live streams and, you know, social outreach and all that stuff is, is perfect. But also, you know, you see things like, you know, people coming in through world of tanks, you see absolutely Warhammer 40 K the machine and Krieger guys who, you know, I know a lot of you guys are, uh, are are into that as well. Um, It's whatever. It doesn't matter how you entered into the geekdom. (laughs) You are, you are still part of our tribe. Right. Yeah. And even I've got a lot of friends that are really into tanks and just have never given modeling a try. And I'm like kind of push mm. them to, to do it. And I think there's a lot of people out there like that that are into World of Tanks and War Thunder and, you know, just haven't really even considered it as a hobby. So, yeah. And, you know, I got to say one example you mentioned, Neil, you know, bringing people into the tribe. A good example. We, we met a fellow, Scott and I, up in, up in Seattle. His name is Josh. All he built was Gundams, sci fi stuff. And, yeah. You know, what, what happened though, after he talked to us and saw, you know, our work on the table, well, what do you know? He went to Hobby Lobby and picked up his first tank kit and now he's looking at another one. So, you know, it's, it's always very encouraging to encourage other modelers of any genre yeah. to jump in because I mean, that happened with me and machine and Krieger. I mean, now I'm, I've spent all my money on that and I haven't bought any armor kits. <laughs> um, so and I'm happy about it, but you know, that's, you know that's that's really important like you said neil is making people feel people making people feel welcome and jackson encouraging people to try it out yeah. and you know showing the sense of community and, and showing the support network in all honesty that's what it is a lot of cases and and just the positive vibes around it it's it's just a lot of fun and you know mm-hmm. we are chomping at the bit to get to omaha I, I mean i've only had one show this year i'm going through a draw and i can't wait <laughs> to see most of you folks out there because it's going to be an incredible experience and Scott's multitasking because, you know, he builds slower than a tortoise. And sorry, <laughs> so guilty. don't pick on Scott too much, man. Cause I'm trying to multitask too. I'm about the same speed. So. Yeah. But, you know, Scott just totally like, you know, dump the whole thing over the transom. I'm okay with that. I was multitasking, but Grizzle uh, yelled at me for it. So, <laughs> you out, so you started yeah, he bruise. did. Yeah. Tell me he needs to finish that Sherman before I finish. Yeah, right. Yeah, he can't talk at all. He needs to be working on stuff. 
seriously. I mean, I, I think, you know, we can hand make a new one. I think actually the Australian Armor Museum rebuilds one-to-one scale ones faster than he can finish something. Oh, no. <laughs> Has anyone oh. suggested that he put a hedgerow cutter on his Sherman? I think that's a good, <laughs> good idea. That's a good idea. It's always good to see a hedgerow cutter. <laughs> I got to tell you guys, I, I'm heading back to uh, to Australia in uh, in a few weeks' time because I haven't seen my family down there in like two and a half years. But I am seriously considering a stopping Cairns on the way back. Do it. Yeah, do it. Do it. I'm jealous it's on the other side of the world or I'd be there tomorrow. It, it is. Um, now, I got to tell you, my house and my parents' house are within 100 miles of the exact opposite point on the Earth's surface. <laughs> wow. Well, I, I'm just saying I may have issues. <laughs> I moved out of home, way out of home. But um but yeah, it's gonna be uh, gonna be good to get together. For sure. I'm- and I already look forward to next year. I think I, I think I'm gonna fly over I'm trying to figure out what the best airport is to fly into because it is in Harrisburg, right? Uh Harrisburg is like thirty minutes away. Okay. Yeah. I love direct flights, though. I'm, I'm not. A yeah, fan. yeah. You you can't you can't get a direct flight into Harrisburg from anywhere. I might fly in and crash at TJ's place for a day, and then dude, it's like trip up with an him. hour and a half from my house. Oh, that's perfect. It's so close. Yeah, it's, it's closer about, than Richmond. It's about two and a half hours from me. Nice. Maybe we'll get Steve to fly out too. That's right. Which which show? Amps next year. Oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. I'm de- I'm yeah. definitely yeah. doing it. After um, this time, I'm in. I'm in. I'm going. I'm even going to go to ArmorCon too. So, oh, nice. Dude, I'm awesome. gonna try to go to anything that's two days or more. I'm going to try to get to. So. We're nice. um, yeah. ArmorCon is always a good gig. Um, you know, we uh, the the last show which we held in uh, October of of last year. Now, God, last year, um, we we had to move venues because the uh, the old hotel closed. Mm-hmm. Um, much to the chagrin of everybody, including their staff. Um, our show chairman got a call from them like, um, just to let you know, uh, we just all got fired. <laughs> That's <laughs> and uh, so we, we moved 20 minutes further east um, up into uh, to, um, from Danbury to Southbury, Connecticut. But it's another really good venue. Everything is you know, tight in one place. And it's another community show. Everybody yeah, turns yeah. up and, you know, takes on the uh, the conversations that they left off the previous year. Yep. yep. Nice. You know, Jesse, I want to kick it over to you. You're mentioning you're from the Atlanta area. What about the Atlanta Amps guys? Do they host, when, when's their show every year? Uh, it's, it's, it's early in the year. Uh, I want to say, I think it was the last weekend in February this year. Okay. Um, it's kind of a, it's a nice break for those in the up north to uh, get a little bit better weather. Uh, it was still down in the forties <laughs> at night, but uh, it, it's a break from uh, at least from the snow typically. And that's um, it, and that's a one dayer. I uh, no, it's two days. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, and then you know, we and well, uh, the biggest thing is um, is that typically we pair up with the uh, soldier show, so a big figure show, cool. um, which is which is always great. And I mean, and those guys. You know, whereas the uh, the amps had, I, you know, I forget the number of tables or whatnot, but I mean, the figures have probably three times as many. And a lot of the guys out of Chicago come down. Oh, uh, nice. So, I mean, we get some really high-end uh, figures, uh, which is just really, really nice to see and cool. And, it's, yeah, just it's it makes it a, a, it feels like a big show. Yeah. Well, then I'll have to check it out. That's an easy flight from Denver. 
Yep. Uh, a lot of times they will do, um, I know the figure painters typically will do like a, a painting seminar. Um, you know, and, and, you know, one year it's flats and one year it's, you know, other figures and that sort of thing. Uh, and then, you know, we're trying to do you know, the, the guys in the, in the club who have some connection to, to Benning or, are trying to set up where, you know, try to time that with uh, getting into an open house into the, the nice. main collection piece. That's awesome. You mentioned one thing here, and I know we're going long, but one one of the topics that we didn't cover, and we could maybe do it real quick, you know, seminars. What what, what was the seminar at the show? I think I saw Steve Zaloga. Was he given a presentation? He was there, but uh, are you, and you're talking about the dance just now. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, know, I know Steve was there, um, but no, uh, Steve, I don't. Steve did not present. Uh, okay. Let me think. We had um, Tom Gannon. We had Tom Gannon. We had. Um, I'm, I'm trying to go in order here. George Ironman did modeling trees and water, which was well well received. Um, we had uh, moi. Um, I did uh, Lindley's uh, vehicles in Soviet service. Uh, we had the the folks from Benning came on and did oh nice. Their, um, you know, talked about the uh, the Armor and Cavalry Heritage Foundation and what they're doing down there, which is freaking awesome about time. Uh, yep. they have such a great facility you know and they've got buy-in from the army who are using it as a training support facility uh but they're doing restoration work they're just doing brilliant stuff um we had the uh the armor uh sorry the american uh, heritage museum foundation you know the folks up in stowe massachusetts who uh got a lot of the uh the littlefield collection and yep. they're talking about what their plans were uh, we had Cookie. Um, we had Tom. Oh. Trying to think who else we had. I'd have to go look on the website there. But we, we had a bunch of really good uh, good speakers. Nice. That's awesome. That's always one of the benefits of the show, too, is, you know, you get those subject matter experts. And especially if it was Rob Kogan that, that gave the, the yes, speech. Yes, it was. Oh, that's awesome. He's, a, he's was, a good uh, guy. Rob, Rob Kogan and Ricky, I'm trying to think, Ricky Young, who was the uh, retired uh, command sergeant major, uh, nice. who, the, uh, um, who chairs the Heritage Foundation versus you know, Rob, who is the, uh, the, the, the military side of it. Nice, nice. So, uh, yeah, it, it was, we, we had some very, very good speakers. Well, that's awesome. We were really chuffed. Uh, Brian Eberly, who, um, he, he was, Brian, Brian's a great guy. He's a uh, Pittsburgh guy. I know him well. He, uh, he came on, um, in South Bend last year when we had the super regional and it was his first am show. And he was like, I just love this. Uh, you know, how can I get involved? And, well, actually, I think first he said, oh, I'm coming to ArmorCon. And he came to ArmorCon. And then he said to me, how can I get involved? I said, um, you know, I'm, given the fact that, you know, I took on the role as uh, first VP for the uh, organization, I need somebody to backfill as the seminar coordinator. So he's like, okay, I'm in. And he organized all of these folks and you know, just did a tremendous job. And uh, of course, now we made him secretary of the organization. So now we're probably looking for another seminar coordinator. Nice, nice. Well, gents, this has been great. We're going on a little bit over an hour and a half, and I want to thank you all for your time. I think we had a great discussion around an awesome show. I certainly look forward to next year's. I'm hopeful that I can attend, and and I would assume all you guys are going next year as well. Yep. Yep. I am. Yep. 
That is the plan. Hopefully. Hope, awesome. Hope to see you there. And and we're we're making plans for 2024. Can't say anything yet because things are uh, you know still fluid, but uh, that's already in discussion. Does Does Jesse know he's been volunteered to host it down? <laughs> no, he does not. <laughs> we're we're going to erect a very large marquee in Jesse's backyard. There you go. No, yeah, we were talking about that because we because we held it a couple of years ago and. Uh, Maybe not just yet. We volunteer for another one. Awesome. <laughs> well, gentlemen, thank you all again. Really appreciate the time you took with us. Awesome to see you all. Awesome to meet some of you. And I look forward to our next discussion, and we hope to have you back on the posse sometime. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. Thank Wait, thanks, and thank yeah, you thanks, all the listeners for tuning in. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks, gents. That was great, guys, and I really wish I could have been there for that discussion and that recording because it, it seemed like amps, they are the shows to go to, um, especially love the social aspect and the different way of judging, which kind of brings me on to my discussion. I put on Facebook the other day that I'd noticed over the past few weeks, couple of months, model shows in the US seem to have a lot more in terms of uh, competitions, awards, and judging and things like that. And it got me thinking, over here, it very much is just bring your models along, stick them on the table, people look at them, and you can go to traders and buy stuff. And I noticed it with, obviously, the amps. Um, there was a show a while back in uh, that TJ went to. I think that was in Virginia also. And then there was one in Indianapolis just recently. And that just big difference. People are picking up tro- uh, medals and trophies and awards every other week. And that just doesn't seem to be happening over here. And it also got me thinking about the type of people that draws into the shows. I've noticed, again, over on your side of the pond, there's a lot more younger people attending. And part of me was thinking, is that because younger people are a bit more competitive, so it gives them more reasons to attend and rather than just look at things? I don't know. And it's something I really wanted to bounce off the walls with with you guys. I know it generated a lot of discussion on my Facebook page, and it was really interesting to see different age groups, different demographics, and different perspectives. But I want to know what you guys think. I, I think that... One thing you'll find is Americans are incredibly competitive and, and uh, it's something that's not lost on me. I am too. But uh, that being said, nobody, everybody likes to, likes to find out that, that people consider their, what they've done the best. I mean, I don't care if you're talking about sports or you're talking about models, everybody wants to be told they were the best at something. I think the problem with it, I, I see the only big problem I see is some people are ultra competitive and they they take it the wrong way. They don't, they don't enjoy it as much as they could. Should they just go out and have a good time? Just, just go out and enjoy the atmosphere and let people look at your models. And if you want to stand close and let them talk about your model, find out what they're saying. That's cool. But I don't know. It's all, it's all to whatever works for you. Yeah. It's really interesting. You know, certainly my attitude has changed a lot. I would say over the last couple of years, you know, I don't think there's any shame in admitting that I wouldn't say I built for competitions, but you know, I made sure my models were competition grade, if that makes sense, where I I would hold myself to a higher standard. I honestly think that's slipped a lot lately. I have started to understand that, you know, what makes me happy is output. And with output, you know, I don't get hung up on things. And some of those hangups create maybe a minor construction flaw. And I'm okay with that. And I love the painting aspect of it. Unfortunately, IPMS, you know, puts a strong emphasis on fundamental construction skills, which, hey, you're building a model. Those are the rules. That's how it is. I still enter. I still enjoy it. And honestly, 
I love entering to show my stuff. We look back at Vegas and some of the best time was walking around the room with TJ, Scott, Darren, Frildo, looking at their models, talking about their models on the table. And in that point, and at that, I look at the show as a, or the contest for that matter, as a display and the awards are, the words are cool. I'm not going to lie. It feels good to have your name called. It feels good to find some form of validation. On the flip side, when I look at when we went to the show in Seattle, that was display only, that was an incredibly enriching experience, so much value, so much fun. And, you know, there's not a lot of pressure. There's, and and there shouldn't be any pressure. I say that at the end of the day, you're still curious. Oh, what did they think? Was my name going to be called? And I can see both sides. I I respect any modeler. And, and like Doug said, I think it's, you know, it's comes down to a personal approach to it. And, you know, I know people that build for competition. Nothing wrong with that. That's what they enjoy. And, And that's how you do your hobby. And Hey, cool. I think the only time where I differ from that individual and it it happens with people that build for competition and don't build for competition. It's really when you kind of take the judging results personally. You know, you see guys, I've witnessed it at shows where people have gotten literally irate with judges. And we just have to remember that it's any given Sunday. We're all humans and you know that's what happens. But I know I've kind of strayed away from your original intent, Ivan, and and I think I go back to the default answer what Doug said is that Americans are extremely competitive. I don't know if it's an age thing, but it might just be a culture thing. And that's just the way we're wired in a large part. Um, But certainly I've started to realize what's the most important thing that these shows is, is again, the social aspect and the display only, you know, scratches that itch for me. And I point back to again, Seattle met a lot of good folks there, had a lot of great conversations and there was no anxiety, no nothing leaving the venue. It was all good vibes. Ivan, I'd throw it back to you. We do have a ton of shows here in the States. We're very lucky in a sense that IPMS from a local perspective is very well populated. But maybe if we focus on Telford, that matter, you know, what, how many competition models are entered there? Oh, wow. Um, can't remember the exact number from last year. Uh, obviously, it was a much more strict back year, but I still think it was, I don't want to guess because my number might be way off, but it was, I think, way over 500. I think approaching 1,000 probably. And that was a completely strict back show, not many European visitors. Very good quality. The table, like every table was full. They actually had to extend many categories because of how many people entered. Really good attendance, but for me, that's the only UK show I've attended with a competition. Obviously, it makes sense. It's the, the UK nationals, it's scale model world. But that's the only one. The, the rest of the shows, uh, Cosford, Bolton, not been too many, but they're, they're all literally just display and trader. And the, mm-hmm. there is there is a different feel of each show, like scale model world. It's, it, it's hard to compare because it's the biggest, but very serious. Mm-hmm. The other shows, much more chilled out, come to my table, have a chat, especially Cosford, because you've got the museum included. Yeah. Just completely different atmosphere. And I think it was Spencer who said, Cosford back in the day did used to host a competition, but then it became the people getting to judge it and where would they hold it? And it just became a bit more fuss. Um, but I've noticed going off on a bit of a tangent here that many of the people who were over here in that discussion I had on Facebook, they were saying they just don't like competitions. Yeah. They get much more enjoyment of just looking at builds and talking to people about builds. Yeah, And I have, maybe it's my inner American or whatever, or just my age or what, but for me, Personally, I seek, I get most enjoyment out of validation from others. But that's not just modeling. I, I, that's been me for about everything. If it's, if it's playing snooker or playing golf or doing anything, having someone else notice and appreciate it and whatever, say how good I am or whatever, that's where I get the enjoyment. Probably the, the, the wrong, the, I don't want to say the wrong way of approaching a hobby, but that's my way of doing it. That's human nature. 
I mean, who doesn't like a compliment? Show me a person who doesn't like a compliment. I'll show you a liar. In 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 its basic form, I mean, I, I joke, listeners. You know, I, I'm not calling anyone a liar, but and maybe Ivan to you know focus on that. You know, the validation that I love and that I get the most enjoyment out of is not a plaque, but it's a comment on Facebook or it's someone on it's someone on at the show day that says, I really like that. Or someone that takes a picture of your model at a show and posts it online. I think that's one of the coolest things ever is that someone took time to take a picture of your model and post it online and showed that they liked it. That to me is just really, really cool and something that you know I'll never get sick of because it, it shows that what I do creates some interest, creates some draw, brings enjoyment. And at the end of the day, I do this because I love it. But if I'm sharing that type of approach to the hobby with someone else, then then it only makes it more worth it. And and I think it's super fun in that regard. And and you'll see, Ivan, I hope you experience it. The best part of that is that late night, you know, the the vendor rooms are closed. Maybe you got two or three beers in you. Or maybe you're just flat out exhausted, but then you take your friends and you're walking around the room and there's probably a handful of people in there and you're just talking about your model and you hear, you know, the interactions between you and your buddies or even people that you've never met before comment on your model, you'd comment on theirs. And it's, that's the type of fun that's really, really made the show what it is today for me. And, and I find that at the local level as well. You can look to Commies Fest that was held here in Colorado. You know, TJ came out, Brian was here, Scott was here, Doug was here. Doug kicked, kicked some ass at that show. But, you know, part of the, the most fun was sitting around my dinner table and everybody having their models out. And, you know, we're, you know, Grant, he brought a Pelican case full of practically art, I feel. And, you know, we're all moving around and TJ put his out. And, you know, it's just that kind of camaraderie is, is it validation? I don't know, but it, it it's a damn good feeling, which brings validation, I think. And, and that's where, that's where I love, that's what I love about shows these days. Well, win or not at those shows, for me personally, I just like the feeling that when I put my model on the table, it belongs on the table. I don't care if I win, but as long as what I put out looks like it fits well with everything else, it's competitive, cool, I'm happy. If I And from that point of view, if I just do a better job on the next kit than I've done before, then it belongs on those tables. It's that simple. I don't care if I win because there's, I mean, I consider myself a good model builder, but I mean, I've seen, I've seen true artists out there and, and I'm not one of them, but that doesn't bother me. Yeah. You know, what you really hit on there, Doug, is an important thing. You know, you put it on the table and I think for a modeler to put their model on the table and expose it to public viewing, to, to expose it to critique because it's going to be judged. I think that's a win. Like you said already. I think it shows that, you know, hey, I'm here. I'm going to put myself out there. I'm looking for anything, whether it's compliments, whether it's feedback. You know, some people like some, some people like others. But I I think that is a big victory in itself is just putting a model on the table. And that's what I encourage. That's what I love. You know, Scott was coming out. I think he was going to Vegas and he's like, oh, I don't know if I'll bring anything. It's like, bro, bro, you're not, you can't do that. So just, even if you don't like some of the stuff I have, I'm like, this has no chance of winning at Nats, but I want to take it to show my friends. And that's, that's why it's going. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, for, like for me, although I say I love validation or whatever, I go to shows for the social. I wouldn't go to shows if I didn't know anyone there, like scale model worlds. I go with friends. I'd never go alone. Um, and that's because the most fun I'm going to have there is chatting to people about, not even just models, but 
you've got stuff in common with them and you can chat about models if you wish or chat about literally anything to do with the hobby. And I think that's what I'm most looking forward to about like Nats. I, I've even said, I was like, I'm looking forward to this trip so much that I forget there's an actual model show going on. Like the amount of what we're going to do, like even just chatting models, it's like the show's extra. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, we, we joked out here, I got an email from, uh, from someone associated with commies fest and they said, Oh, the, the show is actually the next week, which was sent an error. And I was like, uh, excuse me. But after I, after I clarified with them, you know, I got to thinking and I was talking to the other folks that came out. It's like, we would have still had our own mini show. We would have had our own gathering. And like you said, the show and, and maybe that's where people ask me, you know, why should I join IPMS? Why, why become a part of this organization that offers no value to me? It's a righteous question. I think for me, it doesn't come down to the journal. It doesn't come down to a forum post or anything like that. It's, it's the, the ability to be a catalyst for that engagement, for that venue, for that place that modelers can join freely. And you can walk in the door and know no one but you can leave with some of the best friends you'll ever have. I mean, we got to know the geeks. We talk about it all the time, the breakfast we had in Vegas, and they talk about it too, where we didn't know anyone, but IPMS facilitated that engagement. And that's how I look at the value of the organization is that I can't put a quantitative value on it, but I can put a qualitative benefit. And that's where I see the value of IPMS. That's where I see the value of shows to the hobby. And I think it's also important to acknowledge that some people consider this a solitary hobby, and that's completely fine as well. We all enjoy it in different ways, but IPMS will give you the ability to interact if you want with people that are like you. And that's, you know, I know we've strayed a little bit, but when I think of value of IPMS, that's what I think it brings is that is that mechanism of engagement. How many people do you think came up to any one of us at Nats? to say hi, to say thank you, to say we listen to your show. Oh my gosh. Dozens of people. And I guarantee that number is going to be bigger at, at this Nats in Omaha. Yeah. And anybody that wants to talk to us, we're all we're all happy to talk to anybody that's that's willing to come say hi. And that makes the show, right, Doug? I mean oh, absolutely. Holy cow, it wasn't it wasn't, you know, winning the award for the, you know, the group build for the T thirty four. It was literally sitting at our table and every day literally Every other visit, somebody walked by saying hi and, oh, wow, you know, it's great to put a face to a name. I've been listening to you guys for a while. Or, you know, the personal stories of, hey, I haven't been milled models forever, stumbled on you guys, and and now I'm hooked. And that's what, that'll tug on your heartstrings and getting personalized messages from people. And and the whole podcast community does that. I think we need to acknowledge that as, you know, we're just one little piece and it's, it's great. And that's why I think at Nats and Omaha, it's going to be so important and so much fun to have everyone in the same room. Because, you know, when I look across the community, everyone talks to a different demographic and the way they approach it might not be the way we approach it, but someone else in the hobby approaches it that way. And they can talk to them and, and bring them in, bring them into that sense of community. And, and that's what I love about it. You know, going back to your idea, Ivan, of contests versus display, I would love display only. I don't know if we'll get there and that's fine. But at the end of the day, I also would love to win best of show at Nats. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a thing that I always wanted to do and I have no shame in saying it. I, I want to build to that caliber. Will I get there? I don't know. But in the meantime, I'm having a hell of a time. And if I never get there, that's fine. 
One thing I think we we forgot to mention, and and Doug experienced this in Omaha. You know, there was there's the formal competition, but we had the opportunity to do. One of our listeners will keep him a secret because it's the mystery. Uh, you know, it's the mystery modeler syndicate. But we had the opportunity to, you know, give some vanity awards. You know, we liked that. You know, we went around and coined certain models. And it was a blast. And it might happen again in Omaha. And seeing that and seeing those people react to it was awesome. It was so much fun because, you know, we're, you just pick stuff that you think is cool. And I, and I encourage other people to do that. And they do it all the time. Like, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if Telford does, but like, Mosin, or I don't know how to say it. I apologize, but I'm pretty sure that they have like awards too that are sponsored by groups outside of the competition. And I think that's it happens at some shows, and I think it's awesome. Where I remember one, it's like the Canadian modelers, like they sponsor their own vanity award, and they they go find the best Canadian piece. That's cool in my mind. And maybe and maybe competition turns into that at some point, or that increases. But that that's where it's like this person appreciated what. I put on the table. And for me, that's that's worth more than a judge's comment, to be honest. And it's it's super motivating. And I think, you know, I'm in this theme as well as and and Dave Knights has talked about it. Like you go to a show and you've experienced it. You go to Telford, when you leave, aren't you Jones in to start something right away? Oh yeah. Seriously <laughs> motivated. I mean it's it's contagious. You know, if I could, I'd whip something out at the show and build it. You know, it's yeah. it's that it's that exhilarating. I know it's really hard to say that for a hobby that you build little plastic things of, but you just get so much, you get so much excitement, so much motivation. And you know, your vision just, I mean, you guys have done it. You've walked through the vendor room and you're like, I can build this to this, to this, to this, make it look like that. It's, it's awesome. And I, and I love shows for that. Shows are amazing. They provide a lot of what the internet can't, I feel. A hundred percent. I can look at models all day, I can scroll through Facebook or forums for hours and hours and hours and look at beautiful models that are photographed amazing. You go to a show and see it in person, it's a billion times better. And you could talk to the person who built it for hours if you wish and pick the brains. And it's just, there's just something about an in-person experience, especially at shows. It just can't be beat. Yeah, and you know, I think what's important too with shows is we we interact online and there's a lot misconstrued through text. You can get the wrong opinion of someone very quickly, but a face-to-face interaction, especially with this hobby, nine times out of 10, they're probably not the person you thought they were in a good way. I mean, like you, you, you have a certain perception based on their online persona. You get to meet them in person at a show and it's, it's like totally opposite and proves your, your assumptions all wrong. And then you look back at the conversations and you like put it in that person's like voice or the way they've talked to you. And it's like, oh, wow, I'm reading this totally differently now. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't come off as pretentious at all or bullying. (laughs) So, you know, I think that's the great thing too, is that we have the opportunity to get to know people that we only know from a virtual mechanism in text uh, at a show. So bottom line is shows are awesome. For all you listeners, if you're interested, please bid for the IPMS Nationals in 2024. I have to throw that out there from an uh, organizational standpoint. Always accepting bids. I want to see it come to your city. The IPMS Nats, Telford, World Expo, even I think the shows that we need to acknowledge too, like MFCA, which is a show, uh, you know, a f- mainly figure-oriented show in the United States. That draws a great crowd. The Chicago show, like uh, it's uh, all of them, man. They're all great. And what makes them great, Ivan? <laughs> People. Boom. The people make them Boom. great. 
Exactly. It doesn't matter the venue unless you don't have heat and it's 13 degrees outside. Even then, you can you can get close and stay warm. Your buddies. <laughs> 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 but there is a limit to how many people you can fit in a hotel room, I believe. So, I mean, I like you guys, but y'all can get your own room or sleep on an air mattress. I don't think I'm worried about heat in <laughs> Omaha in July. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, oh, man. But the nice part is, is, Doug, I don't know if we'll go outside once we get there. We'll go to the SAC Museum Thursday night, and then we'll probably just get, like, Grubhub or pizza delivered every other day. Be stuck in those – I should say stuck. We're going to willfully lock the doors probably if we could so we could stay longer. I'm, I'm, I'm super, super excited. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. I mean, and I hope our listeners – you know, I hope you, I hope our listeners truly believe it because – I felt like I almost undersold it to Doug, TJ, and Scott, and you know maybe Doug can talk a little bit. I don't think it was. I hope I didn't undersell it in Vegas. Oh no. Um, let's see. We uh, showed up to the Rio Wednesday morning and uh, started making our way. We, I mean, that's a big place. You know how the casinos are. We parked on the wrong side, <laughs> and but by the time we got there, we'd walked through hundreds of of modelers. Like we could tell they were there for the show. What whether it was what they were wearing modeling related stuff uh, or Hawaiian shirts Um, (laughs) or, you know, they were carrying uh, their entries in boxes with them. We could, we saw dozens of these people. And then we went into the vendor room as they were setting up and we helped out a little bit with Steve and, and uh, dang, it was, it was impressive just the number of, as they were setting up. And then it just kept getting bigger from there to see the, the uh, competition room fill up was amazing absolutely stunning to see all the work that was done and uh, we got to be part of it. And then just the camaraderie hanging out with everybody was, was absolutely one of the coolest things ever. You can't, you can't oversell that. And now Steve can't get rid of us. We're going to be right next to him in Omaha, which is going to be great. And we hope all of our listeners stop by and say hi. And another comment, listeners, tell us how you feel about shows. You know, what, what's your preference? Are you competition display only, you know, feel free to, to give us a shout on what do you prefer? What, you know, why do you love shows and always happy to hear from you guys? Always. One thing I wanted to ask about the show it starts on Wednesday. Yes. So is Wednesday the first official day or, or is Tuesday like the setup day? Or So they'll have all the tables typically set up on Tuesday. Vendors don't get into the room. And I believe until 8am on Wednesday. Maybe a little earlier. Um, I remember the last Omaha, I drove straight from Pennsylvania. So I was in Pittsburgh and my buddy Mike, who we talk about here, Nukeman Mike, hopefully his desk is clean. He won the tank craft. <laughs> we, we drove. He's like, let's go, man. And we'll drive. I'm like, okay, where are we going to stop? He's like, oh, we don't need to stop. I'm like, I can't drive through the night. I need my sleep. Um, he's like, well, I'll drive. I'm like, all right. I just got a new car too. So I'm like, well, whatever. Well, let's just go. We rolled in there at like seven in the morning, pretended we were vendors and we did help set up people. But yeah, it'll, you'll see the hustle and bustle really start early in the morning on Wednesday. And then that hustle and bustle doesn't stop until Saturday after the award ceremony. Nice. And then, Super cool. And then Tuesday, I'm assuming there'll be a good amount of people there as well for the show. Wednesday will be full tilt, but you know, Tuesday night in the atrium and bar area, we'll probably see a lot of people we know. And, and we'll probably coordinate something again, unofficially for those who are there on Tuesday and want to hang out. We'll just grab a spot in the atrium and we will probably look to get in there. I'm guessing early evening, maybe like six to seven. It's an eight hour ride. So 
don't worry. Hey, that's that's <laughs> just a normal commute for us. Exactly. That's a normal fee. That's just a, a <laughs> <Exactly>. drive to work. <laughs> Ivan's thinking like, man, I feel like, you know, in World War II, you could take Berlin for that, for crying out <laughs> loud. But yeah, in, in terms, it'll go quick. It'll be fun. You know, we'll, we'll stop at a Flying J truck stop. You can get out. We'll get you a hot dog from the rotisserie that doesn't stop. And they've been on there for several days. <laughs> Let's see what else, you know, beef jerky, sour cream and cheddar, Ruffles potato chips, Diet Dr. Pepper. We'll get you a Coke Zero. No. Don't forget the Coke Zero. <laughs> Coke Zero. We'll get you a giant Kit Kat bar. Uh, you know, not not the just the four square ones, but we're talking like a single giant one. Well, you know. Oh, we do that with a Kit Kat chunky. <laughs> is that what it's called? Yeah, it's chunky. Yeah. Nice. What we else can we? Everything. I was going to say, what else can we find? We could probably find like the world's largest chair on the side of the road as a as a stop. You know, biggest ball of yarn. There's got to be a cheese house somewhere. There's always a cheese house <laughs> on the interstate. Some giant candle shop as well. Go in and pick up chicks. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe on Tuesday we'll take you out. We'll get a giant Omaha steak. Yes. Yes. There yes. you go. Get the meat sweats for the rest of the week. <laughs> oh, it's going to be good. We have gone way off topic. We have. Um, they started talking about competitions or no competition. Now it's just like, let's talk about Omaha. <laughs> well, I think I, I think we you know we came to an answer, right? We stopped talking about the competition, so it can't matter that much. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Take us home, Douglas. Do your best, Gordon Ramsay. Oh God, we didn't get any <laughs> quotes. No. Give me give me something, Ivan. You got to give me something. <laughs> now you've asked. I have no idea what to say. You gotta. You can't leave our listeners hanging. This isn't going in. <laughs> yes, it is. Right, big boy. It's time to wrap up the episode. All right. All right. Well, thanks, Ivan. Guys, it's time that we uh, end episode forty-four. That's all we've got. Please join us again in two weeks for episode forty-five for more fun and discussion about all things scale modeling. Thanks again for joining us and remember to send feedback to plastic posse podcast at gmail.com. Remember, have fun, build models. And to all of you out there in the posse, there's only one thing left to say. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, that, that was great. <laughs> 